on the air for Fan for Racing NASCAR Race Talk Review of Darlington. This is Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Segala. Uh, I'll go over the agenda for tonight, uh, just so everybody knows uh, what we're covering. We're actually doing a review and preview show tonight. We'll be reviewing the race on Sunday for the NASCAR Cup Series at Darlington Raceway, but we'll also be previewing the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series races that are taking place tomorrow and Wednesday with Xfinity Series racing on Tuesday and the uh, uh, Cup Series will be racing on Wednesday. Uh, Now, right now, I know there's a change in the schedule for Tuesday night. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but just uh, to let you know, what we're going to do is break up the hour, because Sal and I will be on for an hour, in 20-minute increments, so that the first 20 minutes we'll do the review of the Cup Series race at Darlington at 9.50, I'm sorry, uh, 8.50, we'll get into the Xfinity Series race on Tuesday, and at 9.10, we will get into the Cup Series race at, on Wednesday at Darlington. Uh, and then Sal has to leave at 9.30 tonight, so we'll start Hot Topics Hound Off at uh, 9.30 tonight, and we'll have co-host Andy and all of our fan racing crew here for that. Now, also, just a reminder, we do have a chat room feature where you can post your thoughts about what we're talking about here on the radio show or even uh, let us know any hot topics you want us to discuss uh, starting at that 9.30 time frame. So let me take some time now. Uh, First of all, let me say that chat room is at fanforacing.com. Now let me welcome our co-host, Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. It's good to be back. Yeah, it is good to be back. We're back on the airwaves. Um, it's going to be tough for us to, just another note for, uh, listeners, it's going to be tough for us to get, uh, people on the show, uh, during this time only because, uh, everybody's traveling to or from a race and there's just a lot going on with everybody's schedules right now. So, uh, please bear with us. The other factor that plays into this is that with the tight turnaround of the racing, uh, we're not just strictly doing a review show tonight, we're also doing the preview show. So there's a lot more for us to discuss as well. So that's going to kind of shake things up for a few weeks until things start to get back to a little bit more normal here. So, uh, again, just an alert for for everybody. But, Sal, uh, we got to watch a really good race yesterday. I thought the racing was fantastic at, at uh, Darlington. Yeah, it was. It was, um, you know, back to – you know, the main thing is, you know, we're back to racing again, you know what, and uh, what better track to come back to, to Darlington. Cause I know in the, when you look back five, about five to six years ago, the fans at Darlington were kind of upset when the auto club speedway had picked up their second race for Labor Day. And now yeah. it's kind of ironic that, that after, after we have a race for what, 12, 13 weeks, something like that. It's kind of ironic that to start the season. Yeah. That to begin the season that we had, kind of quit we go back to darlington you know which is a very historic racetrack and um you know i know the drivers like you know love it you know and the fans themselves you know they also like uh you know like the 
you know the, the racetrack itself too. Absolutely, it's a, it's one of the favorites on the track, and one of the what I call the crown jewel tracks uh, that NASCAR races at. So uh, I really like Darlington Race well, Ray as well. The Real Heroes 400 uh, and what NASCAR pulled off, I thought, was uh, really remarkable. Uh, their execution of everything that took place on Sunday, I thought, went very, very smoothly. Um, it, it's kind of a new norm for at least a few weeks here, but uh, I think that the fans are willing to kind of uh, uh, be there to support their drivers, not at the track necessarily. Oops, somebody's trying to call me. Um, not at the track necessarily, but uh, definitely at um, you know at home watching the race. So I, I thought that was really good. I want to go ahead and get into the review here, Sal, because we do have a limited amount of time. Uh, and and we'll start with the race winner. How great was it that Kevin Harvick won this race at the age of 44 in, from his number four Bush Light uh, uh, hashtag your face here Ford uh, with team owners Stuart Hawes Racing and his crew chief Rodney Childers. He won the the it was his 50th victory for the Real Heroes 400 in 687 NASCAR Cup Series races. He's now tied with NASCAR Hall of Famer Ned Jarrett and Junior Johnson for 12th in the series all-time wins list. That's pretty cool. Uh, it was his also his first victory and his fifth top 10 finish in 2020. I believe he's the only driver who's finished inside. Uh, the top 10 uh, every race so far this season. It's also his second victory in his 13th top 10 finish in 25 races at Darlington Raceway. Alex Bowman posted a second-place finish. It was his first top 10 finish in six races at Darlington Raceway and his second top 10 finish this season. Kurt Busch came home in third, posting his 10th top 10 finish in 25 races at Darlington Raceway. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Tyler Reddick just had an incredible run. Uh, finishing, he was the highest finishing rookie. He finished seventh inside the top 10. And uh, I thought he had a fantastic run at a track that's usually considered a pretty tough track to race. And Kevin Harvick leads the point standings now. He's 28 points over Alex Bowman, who happened to finish second in this race. Also, Kevin Harvick is the only driver this season to finish the top in the top ten in all five races of the 2020 season. So some pretty interesting stuff there. Any thoughts about those top three drivers? So Yeah, you know, it was a good race. Yeah, you know, I thought actually that um, – that uh, Alex Bowen might have had something for him, but you know, you know, then we see, you know, of course, you know, he didn't, you know, towards the end, you know, but Alex had also, you know, spoke at the during the post race, you know, that that last restart, you know, was, you know, was was going to be crucial. But you know, to see Alex, you know, after making the announcement a couple days ago, you know, that he, you know, he's got another year with Hendrick, you know, then to come up, you know, finish second, you know, the race, you know, was really a really good. You know, it's a really good, uh, you know, uh, testament, you know, to the, um, you know, to the, um, to the driver that Alex is. 
Absolutely. You and I have been following Alex for quite a while, and I'll tell you, it is so much fun watching him come into his own in that number 88 car at Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, I thought he had a fantastic race at uh, Darlington Raceway. And, and again, this is not an easy track. He's got some experience there, uh, you know, over the years. But I thought I think it said what six years he's raced there or six races he's had there. Um, but uh, he's really coming into his own, and I really like what I'm seeing from Alex Bowman at Hendrick Motorsports. Um, also, Kurt Busch had a nice run coming in third. Chase Elliott. Uh, got a pit road penalty, uh, too fast exiting, and he had to go to the back of the field and race his way back uh, for a fourth-place finish. Denny Hamlin finished fifth. So uh, to round out the top ten, Martin Truex had a very rough start to the race. He was at the back of the field for a good part of the early uh, stage one and stage two part of the race, but in stage three he seemed to come alive. Uh, Tyler Reddick, again, the highest finishing rookie, finishing in seventh place. Uh, in eighth place was Eric Jones. And what about John Hunter Nemechek, another rookie, finishing ninth. And then, of course, in tenth place, the returning Matt Kenseth in the number 42 car for Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, really some big storylines in that top ten. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of big storylines in there. You know, you really got to look at the rookies. You know Tyler Reddick and John Hunter Nemechek. You know never running a Cup car there at the at the um, you know at the track. You know and you know they they know that you know it's a tough track you know to to run on you know to have the finishes that they did. But you know you had also mentioned you know about Martin Truex Jr. You know he even slowed down a little bit thinking that he had had a loose tire. You know the the, the team had called him in and he kind of overrode the call and said you know what I'm going to stay out you know because you know he did feel that it was a loose tire you know you know like you said you know he, he got the sixth place finish but um yeah that that top 10 was um you know uh you know uh, a lot of good um a lot of good drivers up there you know Matt Kenseth you know not running a cup car you know for you know since he retired and you know to to be able you know to get back into that 42 car no practice you know no nothing you know and be able to you know to get a top 10 finish you know that right there shows the the um you know, the, 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 the talent, you know, that Matt Kenseth, you know, has, even though during the off season, you know, he did a lot of super late model racing, you know, around the country, but, you know, to get back into a cup car, you know, and actually, you know, have the performance that he did was, you know, you kind of wonder how he's going to finish out the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he did really great. Uh, you know, when you really think about it, the first time he was in that car was on the first lap of the race. And uh, the fact that there was no practice session, uh, he, he's just coming straight from home to the track and jumping into that car uh, with no previous experience and with a totally new package from when he was last racing in NASCAR. So for him to do as well as he did, I think, is, is really uh, a testament to the talent that Matt Kenseth possesses and his ability to be able to read a car and be able to give that feedback uh, for his team to work on it and, and get it to where he needed it to be and come home with a, a top ten finish, I thought was really fantastic. Um, but but, uh, but you know what, too, Sharon, when you when you look mm-hmm. at all the all the drivers to be able to come in, 
you know, without no practice, yeah. without qualifying, you know what, and, and get in the car, you know, and race the way they did. I know a lot of fans were saying, you know, there's going to be a lot of wrecks, you know, especially Darlington, you know, and, you know, not being out there, you know, green track and, you know, and everything that went on. And I mean, sure, you know, a couple of drivers, they had their, you know, they had their little issues, but it was nothing major, you know, like, you know, like what a lot of the fans thought, you know, we we're going to see, you know, big crashes and big wrecks and all that, you know, it's just, you know, uh, basically, you know, Dar- Dar- the Darlington, you know, the tire issues they have with Darlington, you know, with the grip and, but I mean, you know, these guys really show what professionals they are. I'm curious to see how it's, how it's going to go at the Xfinity race tomorrow, you know, with, uh, you know, when you got, you know, them drivers too, you know, haven't raced on, you know, and all in, in this, um, this span, you know, during this, this, uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the thing that makes it remarkable for Matt Kenseth, I think is the fact he hasn't even been in the car this whole time, you know, since 2018, and to be able to step into that car and do as well as he did. The other drivers have had some experience in the car. Uh, He's had absolutely none. But you are absolutely correct, you know, in the fact that all of these drivers were getting into a cold car and uh, getting on that track after being out for 10 weeks and uh, really learning how to use that. So, uh, really adjusting very quickly uh, to the car. So it was, okay. it was, it was uh, amazing. I've I mean, got somebody a- trying to text me, so I'm going to have you. Why don't you do the points report while I address this texting that's going on while I'm on air? Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to get Thanks. to the points now. Uh, right after Darlington, your driver's points are. Got Kevin yeah, Harvick leading point. off. Okay, we got Kevin Harvick and uh, leading it off with uh, Alex Bowman in second, Joey Logano third, Chase Elliott fourth, and Brad Keselowski rounding out the top five. Um, once again, you know this is uh, Kevin Harvick's first win of the season, and uh, you know he made it. A, it was a very dominating win, you know, and it was uh, you know a very good run for like we had talked about Alex Bowman <laughs> and the rest of the drivers. Um, after the top after the top five, then we go down to six is Danny Hamlin, Eric Almirola seventh, Ryan Blaney eighth, Matt D Benedetto ninth, and Clint Boyer rounds out the top ten. Um, once again, I mean, you know, for them to come, you know, after, after all this time off, you know, and, and put on the performance they put, it's going to be interesting, you know, see how the rest of the season goes, you know, once you know they we get through through this pandemic and uh and you know, curious, you know, if NASCAR is going to go back to racing once a week again, or if they're going to keep this for how long they're going to keep the, the two races a week going on, you know, I know they want to catch up and finish out the season. And then after Clint Bohr, then we go to Martin Truex 11th, Jimmy Johnson 12th, Kurt Busch 13th, Kyle Busch 14th. And uh, I don't know why they still have Kyle Larson in there at 15th, but 16th, round out the top 16 is Chris Buescher. So um, I don't know how they're going to tell the points standings is going to work on that. I'm sure Sharon might be able to clarify that a little bit better. You know, if they're going to stick uh, Matt Kenseth in that 15 spot or or how it's going to work since he took over the ride for um, for Carl Larson with the issues that he had during the offseason. 
But um, we got a lot of racing still to go. A lot of drivers, you know, that are outside the top 16 that could possibly get in. We got drivers inside the top 16 that could possibly fall out. And, um, you know, so it's going to be interesting. Right now we got Tyler Reddick is leading the the rookie of the year standings with um, John Hunter, John Hunter Nemechek right there, uh, two spots down from him. And then, uh, gosh, we go down to Christopher Bell and, and uh, where's our boy Cole Custer? I don't. He was in here some. Oh, there he is. He's yeah, right behind John Hunter between, Nemechek. Yeah, he's right behind Nemechek there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's really good to see all those guys doing so well. Yeah, we it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be interesting, you know, you know, as they keep running, you know, the series like this, you know, and you're gonna really see like they say, you'll see the cream of the crop start, you know, it's gonna rise. But then, you know, mm-hmm. uh you know stamina's gonna play a big part too. Running a race on Sunday and then coming back on Wednesday, running and then going back to Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. Yeah. You know, these are long races. They're not they're not short little forty, fifty lap late model races. These are you know, three, four hundred mile races, you know, there's, there's a lot of laps they're putting in a lot of wear and tear on their bodies. So, um, and a lot of these drivers aren't flying to the track. Yeah. A lot of these drivers aren't just flying to the track. They're driving to the track as well, which, uh, you know, adds to the stress there. And then I did, like I said, this is where the, this is where the condition is really going to, you know, as the season progresses, it's where the condition is really going to show, you know, which drivers, you know, you know, have been, you know, doing their off season, you know, you know, as far as, you know, staying physically fit, you know, nutrition, eating the right foods and, you know, and then staying hydrated. Yeah, it's really going to be, it's really going to be something. Now, uh, Sal, did you get through all of the points reports? Yes. Okay. Um, I do want to mention that there were some uh, uh, penalties from the weekend as well. Uh, three, uh, I think three drivers had lug nuts, uh, just one lug nut that was loose. However, uh, Eric Jones from Junior uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, I mean, he actually had two lug nuts loose. And according to NASCAR's rules, that means that his crew chief, Chris Bale, uh, is going to be suspended uh, for that one race. So he will not be at Darlington uh, for the um, – he will not be at Darlington this Wednesday for this Wednesday night's race. Wow. Yeah, and then, but then plus you uh, also um, uh, Kurt Busch, not Kurt, but Kyle Busch ended up having to start the back yeah. of the pack because he failed, he failed um, inspection uh, twice going into it. Exactly. Going uh, before the race started. Yes, yes, that that is true, and um, uh, it's it's really important that I've got something going on here, Sal. I'm sorry. I'm going to ask you to kind of take over again here. Okay. Yeah, it, it's you know as basically as as a, as the season progresses, you know when we start getting you know through, you know the drivers start getting used to, you know, this, this, uh, you know, schedule change and, and, um, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see, you know, which drivers, you know, rise to the top, which ones, you know, stay consistent. Consistency is going to play a big part right now. Uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, as far as, 
when the championship comes around, um, it's it's going to be a probably probably one of the biggest things is going to be the, the consistency consistency end of it. Um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of a lot of younger drivers, you know, start to step up their game a little bit, you know what, and and uh, and go out there and be uh, you know be more of a of a of a threat. Um, you know, uh, we got a really good rookie, a really good competitive rookie class this year. You know, with um, you know, with all the drivers that we mentioned, you know, with John Hunter Nemechek, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, and uh, and uh, um, Brandon Pohl, Christopher Bell. You know, they're all they're all gonna, you know, they're all gonna get tough come you know come the rest of the season as it gets as it as it gets off. As we get going, it's going to be interesting to see. Though I'm curious to see on Wednesday night, you know, what set up Kevin Harvick bringing. They said he was going to bring the same car that he won this Sunday in. So it's going to be curious to see how it goes. Um, I guess there was some rain. I think today, so it made the track green again. And with that, you know, we're going to see a lot of uh, uh, probably a whole different race strategy from a few of the drivers. Um, you see, Sharon was also talking about, uh, you know, some of the things, you know, to watch for, you know, when the, um, you know, when the, uh, series comes, you know, on Wednesday night, um, some of the, some of the stats we can look at is, uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer, Dale Earnhardt leads the NASCAR Cup Series and laps led at Darlington with 2,648 laps led at 44 starts. Kevin Harvick right now is leading the active NASCAR Cup driver with 700. 40 laps led at 25 and 24 starts. Um, the most laps led in the NASCAR Cup Series race at Darlington by the race winner was 351 laps of 400 laps. That was by Johnny Matz in uh, in September of 1950. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, the fewest laps led in the NASCAR Cup Series race at Darlington Raceway by the race winner was just the final lap by Ricky Craven in 2003. He started the race from 31st position and won. Uh, of course, we know that the youngest Cup Series Darlington winner was uh, Eric Jones at 22 years, 11 months, and two days. And the oldest winner was Harry Gant at 51 years, 7 months, and 22 days. The total of 51 drivers have won the Bush Pole Award at Darlington Raceway in the NASCAR Cup Series. NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson leads the series in polls at Darlington with 12. A total of 11 different drivers have won from the pole at Darlington, led by David Pearson with four wins. Kevin Harvick is the only active driver to win from the pole, and he did that in 2014. The first starting position is the most proficient starting position in the field, producing more winners, 20, than any other starting position at Darlington. The outside front row second place has produced the second most wins with 17. The deepest in the field that a race winner has started at Darlington is 43rd by Johnny Mance in 1950. The, inaug- the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event held at the historic raceway. Darlington Raceway has hosted 117 NASCAR Cup Series races dating back to 1950. The 117 Cup races have produced 51 different winners led by NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson with 10 victories. Eight of the 51 winners will be active this weekend, which was uh, on Sunday. 
um, led by seven-time series champion Jimmy Johnson with three wins. Kevin Harvick is the most recent winner at Darlington with, with his win on Sunday. Six drivers have posted their first career NASCAR Cup Series win at Darlington Raceway. Johnny Mance in 1950, Delson Stacy in 1961, Larry Frank in 1962, Terry Labonte in 1980, Lake Speed in 1988, and Reagan Smith in 2011. Um, let's see what else. What else uh, do we have? The most laps led in a NASCAR Cup Series race by a driver who did not win was 284 laps of the Schedule 367 by Kyle Larson in 2018. Um, this track is historic. It's got a lot of uh, character to it. Um, a lot of a lot of great racing, like like we've seen on Sunday. Uh, when you would like Sharon had mentioned when she went through the through the through the top uh, drivers, you know, with the results, and um, you know, it's just like it's it's a who's who of uh, of um, out here in the NASCAR series. Are you back, Sharon? She's probably still out. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was kind of it was kind of surreal to see the, um, you know, what what the drivers are going through. You know, some of the some of the comments they made. You know, with uh, you know, being back to racing with with you know with no fans, and uh, you know with the, uh, you know, having to to uh, do the social distancing. Um, we also seen that when they interviewed the drivers that they had a six foot pole. But they'd ask the driver a question, and they put the microphone from six feet away. Um, we've seen, of course, we've seen all Kevin Harvick wore his mask in victory lane, you know, per the per the um, NASCAR and uh, sealed the COVID nineteen uh, protocol. So we've seen a lot of the, the team members, you know, we're all following it, you know, and and that's you know that, that's a good sign. I mean, you know, that NASCAR is able to come back, and I'm sure the ratings were probably skyrocketed, you know, it's one of the biggest, probably one of the biggest races that have possibly has been seen. It was. They said that it was over six million, over six million, I think, were tuning in. And I did see on Twitter a lot of people, Sal, a lot of people were new viewers who were saying they were watching for the first time and that they were really enjoying it. So that was really good to see, too. And I thank you for taking over for me. I had two different people coming at me from two different directions, so I apologize oh. for that. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, you know, and 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 they've seen a good race. You know, it was a good race to see. You know, for being the first, you know, for all the first timers that are out there. You know, hopefully, they can be fans. You know, that'll, you know, once we open up, you know, that'll attend. You know, that'll attend a race or two. Yeah, that that would be cool. I know NASCAR was real happy with how everything was going as well uh, with everything. We really need to kind of move on to the Xfinity Series race, Sal. Did you do that by any chance? No, I, I haven't got to Xfinity yet. Okay, well, we'll go ahead back. and move on. Yeah, that's okay. We'll go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series race. And, again, my apologies to everybody. I, uh, I had two different chat things going, one person trying to call me, another person trying to text me, and it was just a lot going on. Um, now, let me just mention here, too, that the Xfinity Series racing is happening at Darlington Raceway, three races in four days at uh at uh, the track, yeah, three races in four days, and uh, 
the next race is the Xfinity Series race. It'll take place Tuesday, May the 19th. That's tomorrow night. It was originally scheduled, Sal, for 8 p.m. Eastern time. They've revised that schedule. Uh, that race will now take place at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So they're doing that because of uh, the possibility of inclement weather coming into the track, and they're trying to get it started early so that they can get it in uh, before that weather hits the track. That means that the coverage on Fox Sports 1 will actually start uh, two hours earlier as well, which is 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. So radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 200.1 miles over 147 laps. Stage 1 will end on lap 45, stage 2 lap 90, and of course the last stage always ends on the last lap. In this case it's lap 147. So, yeah, there's there's um a little bit worried about that for a couple of races because that's a possibility also for Thursday for Wednesday night's race. So fans will have to stay tuned to make sure they know the correct time for the race on Wednesday as well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's very important because I I hadn't even known that. Well, well, unfortunately, we're working. You know, we're 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 not one of the one of the companies right. that can work from home so I've been I've been working so I really haven't had a chance to really keep up with a lot of stuff this season it's it's been gosh we've been uh we've been um how do you say it uh really super uh super super busy super swamped right now Mm -hmm. yeah which is a good thing I mean yeah. Yeah, my son has the same thing. He's he's been swamped with work and really really busy, uh, breaking records and everything. So they they are not one of the ones that are at home right now. It's a blessing in a lot of ways, uh, and I'm sure it is that way for you as well, Sal. Um, but uh, it keeps you busy for sure. Now uh, I want to give you a playoff bubble update here. Uh, Brandon Built Motorsports uh, driver Brandon Brown jumped from 13th to 12th in the Xfinity Series driver standings. Why is that so significant? Because that's the cutoff line in the Xfinity Series for being inside uh, the playoff uh, playoffs for this season. So the fact that he moved from that 13th position to the 12th place is a really big deal for him. And this has been a really good year for Brandon Brown. Um, so Alex LeBay uh, actually fell out then of that top 12, and Brand- Brandon Brown now sits four points ahead of LeBay heading into Darlington. Now that's significant for you to know going into the race tomorrow because those two guys are going to be driving uh, with each other to try to get maintain that 12-place spot. There's also Josh Williams, who's just eight points out. He's in 14th place, and Matt Snyder. Snyder, Myatt Snyder, is 12 points out. He's in 15th place. So all three of those drivers are going to be racing each other pretty hard, I think, at Darlington tomorrow in order to move themselves up into that top 12. Oh, yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it, it's going to be one heck of a – it's going to be one, one heck of a battle between them. You know, um, you know like as – talking earlier you know, about you know with the compressed schedule you know you know you need to get all the points you can early you know before you know they go back to you know you know the regular schedule you know and then you know the you know the drivers you know have more of a chance you know to prepare for the races 
But um, you know, mm-hmm. these you know, small teams, you know, this is their chance because they're almost on the same playing field as the um as the bigger teams, you know, with, with no practice and no qualifying. So, you know, it's you know, whatever you whatever you unload with is what you got, you know, and you just have to make adjustments, you know, as the race goes on from there. That's true. That's true. Uh, now, another point of note for tomorrow night is that uh, there's some fast facts here from Goodyear. Now, the Xfinity Series fifth race of the season at Darlington Raceway will utilize Goodyear Eagle Speedway radials, and the series will get six sets for the race with approximately 24.5 laps per set. Now, the tire allotment was originally built for the race weekend at Homestead, Miami, uh, but because the teams use the same combination of left-right side tires, they have been reallocated for the first three races back all at, Darling- at Darlington. Like all NASCAR ovals, uh, get greater than one mile in length, each team is required to run inner liners in all four positions uh, of their tires. So that's, uh, that's going to be significant this weekend as well. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be a good um like I said, you know, for all the fans, you know, that are tuning in, you know, I'm sure they're they're gonna they're gonna really you know like you know, like the product that NASCAR is you know, is putting out there. I mean, they've had to work hard, you know you know, to you know, to get to this point you know, to where we can start racing again. You know, and it was like, you know, like we were talking about, you know, earlier sharing off the phone, you know, a lot of the fans were well there's no you know, there's no fans in the stands, you know, and, and but you know what, you watch racing to watch the cars go around the track. You don't watch it to see who's in the stands and who's not in the stands. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because social media just really, I mean, they just really make a big old thing about it. And I have to sit back and I got to chuckle, you know, and I think about yeah. it, I'm thinking, you know, I'm watching a race, you know what, um, I'm victory some- is a lot different. Yeah, I mean, you know, you didn't have the, you know, the hoopla that you, you know, to drive, you know, you usually have, you know, and, you know, the hoopla before the race, you know, on pit road, you know, with all the fans, you know, trying to get autographs, you know, trying to get pictures of the drivers, you know, it's just basically, you know, what get get in the car and, you know, national anthem, gentlemen, start your engines, we race, we finish, take a few pictures of victory lane, and then that's it, you know, and everybody goes home, you know, it's 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 going to be like this for a while, something we're going to have to get used to. Yes, indeed, and some people are going to find a negative no matter what NASCAR does. I've, I, from all the years I've been watching NASCAR, I know that's good. that's a fact. So the thing is, uh, I give NASCAR a lot of kudos for what they've done here. I think they did an excellent job of putting on a race. I think they were a great role model for other sports uh, and and how to make it happen. And uh, you know, I, I really applaud NASCAR for everything that they did. And the drivers. Uh, I know it had to be strange for them as well. A lot of the drivers mentioned that. But, you know, we're marching forward and we're doing the right thing here, I think, by um, trying to, to tr- get back to some type of normalcy, even though that is a little bit different. Uh, that The new norm is a little bit different than what we've been used to in the past. So... Um, a lot of kudos, I think, to NASCAR. But there's also, uh, Sal, at this track, the Xfinity Series has a uh, winner streak rolling. So two names uh, actually jump to the top of most lists when when fans ask, who's the closest to a win this season? Uh, That includes Justin Algauer, 
uh, from JR Motorsports and Team Penske's Austin Sendrick. Both put up wins last season and made it deep into the playoffs, but now both are back uh, this season and running strong. So uh, Justin Algauer is a perennial favorite in the Xfinity Series since he's been racing there, and Austin Sendrick is an up-and-coming driver who's had a couple of really good years in the Xfinity Series. And I think, you know, he's coming off of a good year last year. Now uh, he has a chance to really capitalize on that this year and maybe go after the championship. So what are your thoughts about those two drivers? Which one of those two drivers do you think will be the next one? Uh to be a, a a new winner this season. You know, I think I think Justin because I think you know he has a little bit more experience. You know, he's more of a more of a veteran driver, and uh, you know he, he's he's proven you know that that he can win. And I I, I just think that we're going to I just think that Justin's going to be the next the next you know between him and Austin. But I think Justin will be the next one that we'll see in victory lane. I wouldn't put it past the if we see it happen, you know, tomorrow night. You know, but he's you know yeah. he's one of the what he is one of the more seasoned veterans you know in the series when you you know when you start looking you know at all the you know at all the drivers that are you know that are in the series you know because um, most of them only they only do two years so they go to cup you know yes. or you know or they go back down to trucks or you know uh, you know wh- you know wh- whichever road you know they may take but um you know Justin definitely has all the drivers in that in the series, you know, beat, you know, when it comes to experience. He he's certainly the veteran of that group. And uh Austin Sendrick represents the new and up and coming drivers uh that are coming up the ranks here. Now if we look at the Xfinity series points real quick, Harrison Burton is at the top of those points. Uh he's got hundred and seventy six, but just three points behind him is Chase Briscoe. Uh Austin Sendrick is third, just twenty one points back then we have Brandon Jones, at 28 points back. Ross Chastain, 30 points. Noah Gregson and Ryan Seeger actually tied at 143 points, 33 points back. And then you've got uh, Justin Haley, uh, 36 points back. Justin Algauer, 38 points back. And then Michael Annette, 57 points back. And those are the top 10 drivers in the series point standings. So uh, a really tight points battle there, Oh yeah, it's very tight up there. You know what? And um, but then again, you know, um, it's early. Uh, yeah. The thing with that is that, um, you know, you got to remember too that Harrison Burton, Chase Briscoe, Brandon Jones, and Noah Gregson each have a win, so they're already automatically locked in. Yes. Yes, that is true. You know, so So I mean, so yeah, yeah. We have four different winners. So we're wondering if it'll be a different winner or one of the. You think one of the ones that have already won will repeat at Darlington? I don't know. I kind of think I kind of think we're going to have a new winner at Darlington. I just I just have that feeling that we are. I mean, um, yeah. I just I, I have a feeling we're going to have a new winner at Darlington. I mean, Ross Chastain hasn't had a win either. You know, he's he's always. Ross Chastain runs good wherever he goes. Um, yeah, he Justin is. Hayes is another one. Justin Hayes is another one, you know, that runs good. You know, um, Riley Herbst is another driver, you know, that can he, that can easily put a, you know, put a W up and 
and, you know, get himself in there too. Uh, you know, we, we just, you know, it's, it's a thing, you know, just, you know, watching and seeing, you know, how the, you know, how the, how the series is going to play out, how the race, I mean, is going to play out. Exactly. Well, it, it will be interesting. And, uh, you know, do you have a, a pick for tomorrow night's race, Sal? Who do you think is going to win it? You know, Sharon, I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, so far this year, I've liked what I've seen out of Riley Herbst. I, I got, a, I have a feeling that Riley, I have a feeling that Riley's going to get up there and, and grab that win. Yeah, Riley's one of my backup uh, picks for tomorrow, so uh, we'll have to see. Uh, but it's important to note also that in tomorrow's race is going to be Kyle Busch. So he he might be a possible winner for tomorrow night as well uh, at Darlington uh, in the Xfinity Series. He's going to be racing the first seven of the first 11 races back. So uh, I look for him to have a strong run tomorrow. Even though it didn't seem like he had a really good run yesterday, uh, I do think he'll have a good run in the Xfinity Series. Yeah, you know, I think um... – I think what's going to happen is, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't going to pick Kyle anyways, you know, even though, you know, I knew he was running. Um, so, I mean, even if Kyle wins, I, you know, I still think that, you know, Riley will finish, Riley will finish second behind him. Um, Kyle's going to be hard to beat. Um, you know, but, you know, hey, you know what? That's, you know, that's just the way that's it is. You know, the drivers, Maybe we should say who's going to be the highest finishing, <laughs> highest finishing guy. Highest finishing Xfinity regular. Okay. How does that sound? Well, who's all of my picks have been taken so far in our fantasy game, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, you know what? You, you see, that's where you have to uh, you have to sandbag. You know what? And get these drivers <laughs> that you know are going to finish in the middle, so you can get the good picks. Because when That's you win, right. then you get the then you get the then you get the crappy the picks. But if you pick. sandbag, yeah, if you sandbag and get and and you nitpick <laughs> second and third place, you eat at it like that, and by the end, and then and then you hit them with the big pick, you know, and, and, and oh, you there got you a go. lot. I okay, shouldn't be saying because they're all li- they're all listening to me. I know you just gave saying, away a listening. strategy there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to our Cup Series race that's going to take place at Darlington Raceway on uh, on Wednesday. Again, that race could – we've got to keep an eye on it because that race could, in fact, end up uh, starting a little bit later than what we have posted here now. Uh, so everybody's going to be keeping a really close eye on the um, – Everybody's going to be keeping a very close eye on the weather coming into Darlington over the next couple of days. So I'm going to give you the information as we know it now, but it could change. So definitely stay tuned uh, to any changes. The Toyota 500 will take place, it says Sunday, it's actually Wednesday, May the 20th at Darlington Raceway at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, There are 228 laps. Uh, then the stages will end on lap 60, lap 125, and lap 228. 
Uh, coverage will start a half hour earlier on Fox Sports 1, and there's also coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So um, some of the same process. The, the one thing that's going to make this race interesting, Sal, is the invert for the startup of the race. Okay, the Are invert. you familiar with that? Yeah, they're going to invert I... from the results. The results on Sunday will be inverted uh, for the, uh, I think the bottom 20 are not inverted, but the top 20 are inverted, if I remember that right. Let me see if I can find my notes here on that. Okay. Okay, positions 1 through 20 invert the top 20 from the May 17th race at Darlington. Positions 21 to 40 uh, race are not inverted. So that okay, is exactly so, right. Okay. So Ryan Priest finished 20th, making him the pole sitter for the race on Wednesday. And Kevin Harvick, who was the winner, will be starting from the 20th position on Wednesday. Okay, okay see that. That's how I was curious how they're going to invert because the tracks out here when they invert, they uh, they either roll a dice or else they spin a wheel. You know what? And, no, and, and basically, done. you know, yeah, and and or either that or say the SRL what they do is 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 the top ten, you know, the top ten guys, you know, that the top ten uh, qualifiers, they 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 mm-hmm. have an envelope and they draw they draw an envelope and an envelope has a number, you know, and that's how they do their invert. Right, and you know, that has so, nothing to do with the race on Wednesday. But I understand yeah. where you're coming from. Uh, but that's yeah. how NASCAR that's is going to do it. They're going to invert that top cool. 20. And uh, so Kevin Harvick starts 30th. Ryan Priest starts first. So the starting lineup is going to look a little bit different uh, than what we're accustomed to. So uh, let me kind of go down that list. Uh, just to refresh everybody's mind on how that's going to look for this Wednesday's race. Ryan Priest and Ty Dillon are going to be in the front row. Then it's Joey Logano and Clint Boyer, Ryan Blaney and Ryan Newman in the third row. Fourth row is Matt Benedetto and Brad Keselowski. In the fifth row, we have Eric Almarola and Austin Dillon. In the sixth row, it's Matt Kenseth and and the rookie, John Hunter Nemechek. And in the seventh row is Eric Jones and another rookie, Tyler Reddick. In the eighth row is Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin. In the ninth row, it's Chase Elliott and Kurt Busch. And in the tenth row, it's Alex Bowman and Kevin Harvick. So that's the top 20 drivers from Wednesday's race in the inverted order of how they finished on Sunday. Uh, the positions uh, from row 11 to row 20 is all the way they finished at Darlington on Sunday. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is at the back of the field, and at the front of that field is Bubba Wallace and Cole Custer, another rookie. Uh, so all of that's going to stay the same as how they finished at Darlington Sunday. It, it's good. You know, that's, uh, you know what, I, and, I, and I, I'm glad you know they're, that they're doing an invert. You know what, and you know trying to trying to spice things up. You know, um, you know not that I'm saying you know that Kevin Harvick, you know, sure he can win, you know two, you know two races in a row like that, 
but it's going to be kind of hard because now instead of running during the day, they're going to be running at night. They're going to run on a green track. And then once again, without yeah. the practice and the qualifying, you know what? I mean, you know, you know, there's, there's, um, I'm sure they're probably going to have a competition. Yeah. will probably what 25, 30 laps in, you know, because yeah, of the they track. Really, so, I don't see that yeah. posted yet. What that competition. Yeah. Cost, yeah. Uh, caution is going to be, I know for the cup series, it was on lap 30. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet for the uh, Xfinity series. Yeah, so but I'm I'm talking about for the for the Cup Series two on Wednesday. You know, if they get more rain, you know, between Tuesday and Wednesday, you know, I know they're going to throw a competition yellow and you know on them too. Oh yeah, yeah, that is true. They will. I it might even be thirty like it was on on Sunday. So, also uh, Guy Fieri has been listed as the Grand Marshal. He'll be giving the command, and. Uh, the anthem will actually be sung by Jewel this week, so I'm sure they'll do all of that by video like they did uh, on Sunday's race, uh, but just to give fans a head up, heads up on what's going to happen there. You know what I thought was kind of corny was they showed one of the engineers at his office, and he was wearing a mask. I mean, seriously, what's the what's screwing off? You know he took that mask off. Well, we don't know who else was in the room, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was watching. I'm going. You know what? You know, and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to get off subject. But it, it's it's kind of like okay, you see the people you. going down this. It's kind of like you see the people driving down the street. You know, in the car, they're by themselves. They're wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. But you know what? At, on another note, you know what? The the owners aren't even allowed at the track because I was talking to Cindy Custer. And Joe wasn't allowed to go to the race on Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah, so, and he's the so vice president. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's the vice president of you know Stuart Haas. And Cindy, when I talked to Cindy, I go, "So is Joe going?" She goes, "Joe's not allowed at any of the races. He can't go. You know, it, it's only the the I guess what they deem essential workers are the only ones allowed at the right. track." So I and thought, even you know, with the essential kind of... workers, Sal, they had 900 people at the track, uh, yeah. all practicing social distancing. Well, what about the fans that were outside tailgating? Yeah, there were a bunch of fans, too. You're right. You know, that were outside um, tailgating, you okay. know. Okay, let's talk about the Toyota 500 <laughs> that's going to take place. We've, we've gone okay. through the... Um, We've gone through the lineup here. Uh, the pit stalls, uh, again, will be lined up. Uh, I think uh, Kevin Harvick may have that same. Let me see if I can find the pit stall uh, lineup here because uh, Kevin Harvick had that first uh, pit stall, and that really helped him. Oh, my gosh. That, was, that, was that huge or was that huge? That, that first pit stall was like, oh my gosh, that was golden. I mean, that was like yeah, she so, must have given the win. I couldn't believe it. How I've never seen it like that before. Yeah, that that you know, that was a really good. Then that was based on a random draw, so it wasn't even that he. Uh, it wasn't even that he. You know, chose that pit spot. It was a random draw. So talk about being lucky. That was really lucky um, for him to get that pit stall. 
uh, in that random draw that they did last Thursday night. I know the the Ross the pit stall map is out for some reason. I'm having a hard time finding it here, but uh, I've got. I think it's going to be the same pit stall lineup uh, for drivers on Wednesday as it was on Sunday, which is again going to give. Uh, uh, Kevin Harvick a little bit of an advantage I think there you know what and I, I kind of think what they should do is is they should um, is they should uh, you know redraw have a redraw you know redo it you know and not, and not give them the same stall again that, well that's my let me opinion. see here I think I may, may have just found it Okay, for Wednesday's race at Darlington, it does look like we've got Kevin Harvick in that first pit stall. So yeah, it looks like it it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same lineup that it was on Sunday, which is a big deal for Kevin Harvick. Uh, the 19 car has the first pit. Uh, well, there's a couple of things here. Alex Bowman has the first pit on the opening. The first pit opening. And uh, the 19 has that pit on the second pit opening, and the 20 has the first pit on the third pit opening. So uh, those are kind of a little bit advantageous to have as well. But uh, it's it's uh, it's really interesting that they're going to use the same pit pit road uh, lineup here uh, for Wednesday's race. Yeah, I you know what? I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with it at all. I, I I think each race should be, you know what, should be, um, you know, since they're not since, since they're not doing it the way they normally do it, I I, I think I think they should. But then you know that's that's NASCAR, you know. Well, just, you've, yeah, you've got a lot of um, you've got a lot of yeah. uh, issues there uh, that logistic issues there that are going to make it hard for NASCAR to to do anything different at this point, but. Uh, I understand what you're saying, um, and and I agree to a certain degree there as well. We're coming up. We've only got about six minutes left, Sal, in the show. Uh, so let me run down here and see if there's anything else that I can kind of make sure fans are aware of. Uh, pit selection, yeah, order based on the finish. Oh, order is going to be based on the finishing position from the May 17th race. So that's why he's got that first pit stall. So based on okay. how they finished on the 17th is how they're lined up on the pit road. So that's that's really important. Uh, and that's followed by new entries in order of points. Pit stalls will be picked in advance of the 17th race, which they did do. Um, again, we told you about the invert. Um, there is Again, there will be no caution. Uh, I'm sorry, no uh, practice in this race. Uh, there will be a competition cost, caution, uh, so watch for information on that I, I, uh, for both the Xfinity Series race and the Cup Series race. Um, now, modified co- competition caution, the field's going to be frozen at the time of the competition caution. The field be, will be assembled behind the pace car. The running order and lead lap down will be established in the free pass sent. Uh, the waiver run rule is not going to be in effect for these races. Pit road will be open to the top 20 cars. 
and those cars must beat the pace car off pit road in order to retain their frozen position. Uh, then, after the top 20 cars have pitted, they're going to give the next 20 cars a chance to pit, and the same rule applies. Those cars have to beat the pace car off pit road in order to maintain their frozen position, and the above pit cycle repeats, and each team is allowed to pit two times. Now, they'll reestablish a lineup uh, per the freeze and restart of the, for the restart of the race. Uh, but again, if they don't beat that pace car off pit road, then they're going to lose that frozen position. So that's that's uh, really important. The other thing is they do have infractions for when that happens. When they don't beat the pit car, pace car off pit road, that they'll end up losing a lap and restarting at the tail of the field. If they pit more than twice or out of sequence. In restarting at the, uh, they'll be restarting at the tail end of the field, and all cur- all other current pit road rules will remain in effect for these races. So uh, that's kind of important for everybody to be aware of as well. So with that, Sal, we're down to our last three minutes here on the show uh, for you, and then we'll be starting our NASCAR hot topic sound off. So um, I know you've been. Uh, trying to find races to attend. How's that going? Actually, you know it's going pretty good. Um, next next Monday I'll have I'll have some good news. But for right now, oh, I really okay. can't. I can't say much, even though it's it's out on social well, media. Well, keep in mind, Sal. Next Monday is actually. Um, oh, Memorial next Day. Next Monday is actually Memorial Day, so we probably won't do a show. Yeah. Plus, there'll be a race. On Memorial Day, uh, the Xfinity Series is racing at Charlotte that night, so we won't be able to do the radio show. So don't look for us on air Monday night, but we will be on air that Thursday night. Uh, There will also be a race uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday that week. Uh, So the next time we're going to be back on air will be June the 1st for our Monday night show. Okay, then, uh, then on that day I'll have some news. Okay. Or let me see how my schedule goes. Maybe I'll pop in for two or three minutes and just kind of give an update on, on what went on. On Thursday? Last weekend. Yeah, on Thursday. This, okay, this, that this might Thursday. work. This Thursday, I might, I might call in. I, I'm, I'm just waiting for the green light to give the to give my what what I have. I, I can't do it right now. Okay. I'm, I'm, I understand. I'll put a timeout. I'm, I'm on, they put me on lockdown. I got you. I got you. Uh, I know you and I talked earlier, so I have a little bit of an idea of what it might be about. Uh, but yeah. uh, we'll look forward to you popping in on us on uh, Thursday night uh, with that news. And uh, I'll look forward to, to sharing that with all the listeners. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, Sal. Thanks so much for tonight. I always appreciate what you do. And, uh, I know fans can follow you at at Sal uh, underscore Segala on Twitter and just Sal Segala Jr. on Facebook. So uh, I hope all goes well tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again on Thursday night. All right, thanks, and everyone have a good good uh, night, and we'll see you guys next time. Okay, take care, Sal. Okay, all right. Good night. Okay, okay bye.
All right. With that, we are now ready for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us for that, I, I think I see Jay is here. Is that you, Jay? I am here indeed. Yes, ma'am. All right. And um, I, I think that might be Mike. Is Mike here? No, that's not Mike. Hi, that Sharon. must be Andy. <laughs> hey, Hi, Andy, doing? our co-host. Andy Lasky, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Sounds good. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing great. How about you, Jay? Yeah. See, on track racing yesterday, so obviously, yes, doing great. <laughs> uh, not wh- not where we want to be yet, because we want to be in the stands. Uh, you know, us as media, we want to be there, but we know that, again, this is a procedure thing, going to be taken in stages, so take what we can get and do what we can to help out and uh, get through this as we need to. Okay, so I think I think uh, everybody's doing the best we can under the situation. Okay, so I think Mike is going to be joining us tonight. I don't see him here just yet, so we'll keep an eye out for him uh, for our NASCAR Hot Topics. Uh, and, and what I told Mike I'm going to do with him coming on to the Hot Topics segment uh, and the three of you guys all having opinions, I'm going to going to kind of moderate, if you will, or be the facilitator and encourage you guys to do most of the talking there. Um, if if, uh, if I feel really strongly about something and I, I feel like I need to say something, then I will. <laughs> but other than that, uh, it's going to be you guys. Um, uh, let's see. It says I can call, but within here it might be crowded. Yeah, I just addressed that. So, okay, so tell Mike to call in. <laughs> yep, I did. I, did. Um, I saw it. Okay. Okay, so, uh, yeah, it, it, so I'm just going to kind of facilitate the conversation just to give kind of a programming note there. And I think uh, fans are really interested in what you guys have to say. And if I do feel strongly about something, then I will say something. So joining us now is our newest member of our Fan for Racing crew, uh, and I'm getting, okay, there it is. Mike Orzel, welcome to the show. All right, I'm here. All right. Mike, did you notice we got your first article up? I did see that. I th- uh, thank you. Okay, so uh, everybody, you need to get over to Fan for Racing. Uh, we've got the article up for Mike uh, Orzel. Why don't you tell them a little bit about what that's about real quick? Well, it's the first in the series. Obviously, it's one of the biggest hot topics, at least so far in the 2020 season, minus the obvious suspension that they've had over the past almost two months. Um, probably the biggest hot topic going into the season was the opening in the number 48 car with Jimmy Johnson retiring. So, in a lot of series of articles kind of addressing the different drivers that have been floated around, maybe some that people have thought about, maybe some that people haven't thought about, and address some of the considerations of why that driver may or may not be a good pick to fit into that 48 car. Okay, so so watch for that. That's a series of articles that will be coming out. The first of that series is out today. Uh, and, uh, Mike, I know we've got a bio about you on the site as well. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been a NASCAR fan ever since I was a kid. I stopped following it a little bit while I was going through college and whatnot. Uh, but then I moved pretty close to Talladega a few years back, went out to the race and got right back into it. 
Uh, so now I try not to never miss a race on TV. Go to at least a few every year. Haven't made a one this year. I was supposed to go to this past Talladega spring race, but we saw how that worked out. Hopefully I'll be able to sneak out to the track one of these days when it lines up with my, my work schedule and I can get out there. So we'll see how that goes. But if nothing else, I'm going to catch as much on TV as I possibly can. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Now, with that, Andy, why don't you uh, kick us off tonight with the first hot topic uh, for discussion? Well, I just wanted to say, Sharon, I certainly hope that you give your opinion as much as possible. It's it's greatly valued, and the <laughs> debate's always a lot of fun. So I hope that you'll continue to chime in where you need to. But um, I think at first we can talk about, obviously, the return of Cup Series racing to Darlington. And with that, Kevin Harvick earns his uh, 50th career Cup Series win to tie Junior Johnson and um, Ned Jarrett on the all-time win list. Pretty impressive. Yes, uh, that was a big win. So, uh, Mike, you are the, the our guest for tonight, although you, we hope to have you as a regular. Uh, why don't we let you go first here tonight? Well, uh, Kevin Harvick is, with 50 wins, it, no one can deny that Kevin Harvick is definitely an elite in the sport. Um, best ever. He's still got a few years ahead of him. Probably difficult to put him into that discussion, but definitely working his way into that top ten of best ever. Uh, drivers to race in the sport um, maybe he gets another championship this year and gets right in there but 50 wins is absolutely impressive he's got you know you look at the names ahead of him I think every single one of them uh, with the exception of Jimmy Johnson who's still active are all NASCAR Hall of Fame drivers and Kevin Harvick is sure to be a first ballot Hall of Famer as well yeah absolutely uh, Jay your thoughts uh Echo there. I mean, uh, one of those we're going to start with agreeing. Uh, you know, Kevin Harvick, obviously, the cream rises to the top. We knew going into Darlington as a first race back, a truck, a track, obviously, nicknamed Too Tough to Tame. Um, seeing Harvick as one of the, the front runners uh, winning is no surprise. And we've seen the magic, uh, you know, when him and uh, Rodney Childers came together at Stuart Haas Racing. I mean, they were strong from the get go winning that championship, and they've been contenders ever since. Uh, we've seen in the past a couple little things that are keeping him out of the a real hard championship run again. Hopefully they can get those fixed, as I said. Uh, and he started out the year again. I believe he's the only driver to have finished in the top ten all five races now. So we'll see yep. him here when it comes down to championship time. Absolutely. Uh, and and uh, I, I would agree. Kevin Harvick has shown that uh, he is truly a veteran of the sport. And uh, and he, you know, was able – one of the things he credited was the fact that he, he could take his car off the truck and it was in ready to run without a practice, without, uh, you know, having to do a lot to his car to, to get it ready uh, to race that race. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he'll get those same kind of results uh, starting from the 20th position on – on um, Wednesday, but uh, I, I think Kevin Harvick uh, has the moniker of the closer for a good reason, and uh, he he knows how to close out these races and uh, do it pretty well. So right now, uh, you know, he is the fourth driver to win in the Cup Series this season in five races. Joey Logano is the driver who's got two victories with Alex Bowman with one and Denny Hamlin with one. So uh, I thought it was a good thing. Any any follow-ups there from any of you? They're bringing the same oh, yeah. car. Uh, 
Rodney Childers said on Twitter they're they're not even changing the shocks and springs on the car. Uh, he said there's yep. a couple little minor repairs to it, and they're going to roll the exact same car off the truck on Wednesday and go race it again. Yeah, that's fantastic. Andy or Jay? Yeah, Sharon, I just wanted to kind of give my take real quick on that. Um, yeah, just impressive to see him get to 50. Um, I didn't know that he'd won that many Cup Series races, and for him to be in the same category as Junior Johnson and Ned Jarrett is uh, really impressive. So that's pretty yeah. cool to see that. Um, I think even aside from the fact that, that Harvick won, which isn't a surprise, I think given the fact of how successful he's been year after year, it was only a matter of time before he and that team won a race. So that wasn't a huge surprise. Um, just nice to get to see cars back on the track yesterday. It was a sense of normalcy for the first time in a while. So uh, pretty cool to see, and just as Mike alluded to, bringing the same car back Wednesday. I don't predict that he'll win. I know you are, Sharon, and that may very well happen. Um, but I expect that uh, as good as that car was, and you'd have to expect somewhat similar track conditions uh, with the heat being relatively the same. Um, they'll be just as good, probably a top five run at least on Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, awesome to see cars back on the track, and cool to see him win his 50th career cup win. Except it's going to be okay. a night race, so it's going to be com- it's going to be very different track conditions. That's a good point. It is a night race. They are going to start at six p.m. instead of the eight o'clock start. So, no, that's the Xfinity race. I'm sorry, the Xfinity race is starting earlier. Right now, the Cup race is still at eight o'clock Eastern time. But yeah, it'll be it'll be a little bit different from that perspective. That's okay, a team, Jay, that's a team have... though, that I don't think – I was going to say, that's a team I don't think you got to worry about, and I do have faith in them uh, with that invert, uh, especially with the same car, and just the, they're a top-tier team. There, there's no doubt about it. So expect them to be a contender without a doubt. Yeah, I will say, that, we I... did see a lot of cars driving up through the field from the back to the front. Chase Elliott did it. Martin Tricks Jr. did it. So I don't think Kevin Harvick's going to have too much of a problem making that happen either. Andy, I'm sorry, you had something. No, to say. that's okay. Um, I was I was just going to echo the same thoughts. I, I don't think the invert really means much. Yes, track position means a lot, and it means a lot most places. But a lot of those cars starting out front, I don't think are going to be magically better from where they were the other day. And I know that some teams may bring different cars from what they ran yesterday, but I think that the really good cars are still going to find their way to the front like they do each and every week. So um, the four car and uh, the Gibbs cars, especially the Hendrick cars from as good as they were yesterday, they'll, they'll all find their way to the front. And I think that I honestly don't think we're going to see a huge change from those who ran up front yesterday to those who will run up front on Wednesday. I would say that things are going to be fairly similar in terms of uh, where people run throughout the night. Okay. Really good points. All right. Uh, Let's go on to the next hot topic then. Uh, Jay, what's your hot topic for tonight? Well, a couple of times here, the the comers and goers, uh, I know throughout our chat room, we talked about, uh, I don't know if you'd uh, addressed it on Twitter. I know you were doing more race updates. So hopefully that went well. Uh, I saw you doing a lot yesterday with that um, while we were in the chat room, but the impact of the, the no practice and no qualifying. And we've seen this before at races, whether it be due to rain, scheduling, whatever. I think provides some great racing and some more shifting, some names maybe you don't see as often 
um, coming through the field. So I had kind of an idea that I know as they get back into a normal procedure of what you guys thought of maybe one hour of a practice session. And from that, your fast time out of that session is your qualifying time. So you cut down on time you need to be at the track. You get it all into one. I know they've tried some different things with the group qualifying and all that. But like I said, give an hour, hour and a half window. That's your practice. So any adjustments you want to make to the car need to be done in that window. And then from that, take the fast times, and that's your qualifying session. Well, that's an interesting concept. Uh, Andy, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I like that idea. I think going forward, you know, as we get to a point where maybe they can practice and qualify, you're still going to want to limit that time um, that you're on the racetrack and the crew members are around each other. So, I mean, I don't think that's a bad idea. To be honest, I really like the current format. Show up and go, invert the top 20, and the rest of the top or the, the back part of the field is based off finished positions from the previous race. I kind of like the idea of showing up and racing. It's kind of fun. And yesterday, I I got to admit, I was, I was a little anxious when they took the green, and obviously they, you know, had an accident a half a lap into the race. So, um <laughs> kind of like the show up and go concept but to jay's point as we get further into the season um if you can limit the practice time and and you know get your qualifying or lineup based off that then not a bad idea okay mike your thoughts you know the show and go was pretty good um i don't really it could go either way uh, I like Jay's idea, um, but I think they compensated for that well with the uh, with the modified rules for the first pit stop with the position chain or with the position freeze, uh, and allowing the teams kind of a low threat, low intensity opportunity to work on the car on pit road. Um, with them trying to limit the amount of social contact between uh, between people, um, even if you do a limited practice session like that that's going to encourage people to get underneath the car and start working on it and making changes. And now you're bringing people, crew members back into close proximity with each other underneath the, uh, underneath the car. And that may end up defeating the purpose that NASCAR is going for right now with social distancing. Interesting. Now, now I actually saw one of the drivers, I think it was Chase Elliott uh, in some of his post-race comments. He made the comment that he really liked the, the show and go he he thought maybe we could move forward and just have no practice and show and go with the competition caution. He thought that format was uh, pretty clean and uh, thought it might be a good idea moving forward. Um, and I like Jay's idea as well, but, but Mike brings up an interesting point. It encourages more activity. Uh, maybe as we get further into the season and, and further away from the uh, pandemic situation, uh, I think that might be a thought for consideration. But I, I'm kind of with um, with uh, Chase Elliott on this. I kind of like the show and go and being able you, – it, it gives a little bit different um, flavor to it, if you will, because nobody really knows what to expect. So I think that adds some more of the drama to the racing uh, for the fans as well as for the drivers. I know some of the drivers said that they were a little nervous at the re- at the start of the race, but after they got going, they were they felt pretty good about it. So, what are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, and that was obviously what I was talking about would be in the future even into next year. Um again, just you know, NASCAR's looking at way to cut costs. I know they've talked about doing different things with pit stops. And as a whole from what we've seen at races where they do 
run with no practice for whatever the reason. I think as a fan, I mean, and we all talked about this yesterday, although the finish came out to be a little bit of a gap between Harvick and uh, Bowman, throughout the race, I mean, there was good racing from, and I'd say maybe back through the 25th, 30th position. I know there's not always a lot towards the back, but there were some really great battles, especially coming down there at the end. Harvick did gap it a little bit, um, so we didn't get a side-by-side finish, but again, you can't expect that every race. But I, I just felt like throughout the race, we saw multiple different leaders. And I know, again, pit road came into play, which is why I hope they don't go away. I hope that they don't go away from regular pit stops once we're able to return to that um, full up, which I thought they did a great job. And as Mike mentioned, you know, that right now, the way things are, I thought the competition, uh, the way they have that set up, the competition yellow and the controlled pit stops was a good idea and a necessity. Um, again, that's where you got that little bit of adjustments and that's where i'm saying if if once we get back to normal and i say normal whatever normal may be or become but so you don't have to have that first competition yellow that's where you give them a little bit of practice but it's also qualifying so again if you're going to try and set on the pole or set up for a qualifying run you got to make that decision you know in that one hour again maybe an hour and a half max and it helps nascar with with what they were looking at as far as cutting down on track time travel costs all those things. Uh, I really hope they don't do away with pit stops um, like they talked about. I, I wasn't a fan of that, and I know we did that as a hot topic when that discussion came up. But um, I, I do think it does provide better racing when you have at least limited or minimal practice. Okay. Andy, any follow-ups to your comment? Yeah, I I agree with Jay 100% with the with the live pit stops. I think that they add an element to the race um, in terms of making or breaking someone's day. I mean, you know, the driver, the crew chief, the pit crew, the engineers, they all work together to win that race collectively, and the live pit stops can make or break someone's day. We saw it yesterday. Um, you know, there was at least one or two cars that probably should have finished a lot better than they did if it were not for poor pit stops. So it's an element that I think uh, is definitely necessary. And to Jay's point, I hope that we see them continue moving forward. Okay. Mike, your follow-up. Um, yeah, obviously it's starting to echo in here. But, yeah, live pit stops have been a fundamental part of NASCAR ever since its inception. Uh, especially for the Cup Series, doing away with them I think would be a major mistake. It really takes the team element out of the sport. Um, NASCAR is fundamentally right now it's a team sport, but if you take away those athletes on pit road and make them not part of the sport anymore, now it really becomes driver-centric. And aside from the, uh, the engineering team and whatnot at the shop, it takes the team element away from the live competition. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jay, and your, your follow-up. No, I think I think we're all kind of in agreement. And like I said, just watching that race yesterday, we were all commenting on how great it was. And obviously, we haven't seen racing in a while, so any racing was good. But just that there there <laughs> seemed to awesome. be again the different the different names that we saw kind of towards the front. Maybe didn't stay there. Um, some different drivers that were at the back that had to work their way through or forward. And we're going to see that again uh, come Wednesday because Jimmy Johnson's starting in the back. Kyle Busch is starting in the back. So we're going to see that again. And then you got those guys that we're running 20th, get to start up front, see if they can stay up there, how that affects their pitch strategy, which that's where, again, 
you got good starting position. Now you got to do a, a track position and, and strategy off that. And I would absolutely hate to see that go away from the sport. Yes, I, I totally agree. Uh, Mike, you're up at bat. What's your hot topic? Alex Bowman. He has been incredible <laughs> this year. Um, he had the one win at Auto Club. Uh, he could just as easily have won yesterday. Uh, he had that la- or that last restart where he just – he had maybe a fender on Harvard coming out of turn two uh, on the first lap after that last restart. And if he had really pressed the issue and cleared Harvard, we might have been talking about Alex Bowman winning that race. Um, it seemed like once that 88 car got out into clean air – he had at least about a 30-lap run car, which is about how long that last run was, and then he started to fade after 30 laps. But if, I think if that 88 had cleared the four car, he very well could have won that race yesterday. Uh, I think he's going to be a contender again on Wednesday, and I think he's going to be a contender throughout the year. He just signed a contract uh, extension through 2021 with Hendrick Motorsports, so he's going to be back in that 88 car next year so he doesn't have that distraction hanging over the team's head. Uh, I think the 88 car may end up being the strongest car in the Hendrick stable for uh, for this year, or at least as good as the nine car has been. Okay. Andy, why don't you go first on this one? Well, Bowman the showman, that's who I picked to win the race. I came off one spot short to you, Sharon, and that's the way it goes. But, um <laughs> Yeah, he's been really good this year, and it's not a huge surprise. Um, you know, he's been really good on the uh, the low-grip racetracks like the Chicagoland where he won last year, Speedway, um, you know, Darlington Auto Club Speedway where he won earlier this year, the tracks where the tires wear out uh, and you have to manage the tire wear more so than other tracks. That's where he's really good. So not a huge surprise to see him run well yesterday. Uh, to Mike's point, he is right now – seemingly the one of you know if, if not neck and neck with chase elliott he is the leader i think possibly at hendrick motorsports and has the chance to um to have a really successful year so it's good to see that i'm, I'm glad to see him get the contract extension um had been hoping to see him get a little bit longer deal than that but hopefully he can have a really good season this year and uh you know maybe earn himself a longer term deal but definitely uh, nice to see him have a, a high level of success, and, and you know, hopefully he'll be able to pull off some more wins and establish his um, footing deeply into the playoffs this year. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'd say. Oh. Am I on? Okay, I thought yeah, maybe I was on. muted. Um, I, I like where where he's at, and, you know, he's shown that. He showed it last year. I know he didn't go deep into the playoffs, but making the playoffs with that team, uh, that they're just going to continue to grow, and they, they came out real strong. The Chevys were a lot better this year. We've all, all seen that. So, yeah, it's not surprising to see him be at the forefront of it. With that, talking about the contract extension, it's good to see. I like that. And I think Mike and I maybe talked about this one-on-one. Um, I was sad to see that it was only a one year. And I think that is unfortunately, as with everything sponsorship driven, they can't get a guarantee beyond that. Uh, hopefully within this next year, a uh, year and a half now that that can be remedied and he can get a long-term contract uh, with Hendrick Motorsports. Cause I think he is one that they need there as a stable driver uh, veteran, if you will. Um, I know Chase Elliott is the face uh, of NASCAR as the most popular driver, but I think Alex Bowman certainly can be the leader of that team. Okay. Um and and I I I 
have the good fortune of having followed Alex Bowman's for a very long time. In fact, Alex was uh, uh, has been on our show a few times from his Canon Pro Series days and his late model racing days. So I've always known that Alex Bowman is a really talented guy, and I've always been impressed with him uh, and, and his demeanor. And uh, to see him having this opportunity at Hendrick Motorsports has been just a really, really fun thing for me to watch because I've always known that Alex Bowman is capable of uh, really, really good things. And uh, to see him having uh, these good runs with Hendrick Motorsports, getting the one-year contract, yeah, I wish it was a little bit longer too. Um, I think it's fantastic. And I, I can't think of a guy... Uh, any more deserving of that I think he's really paid his dues Probably more so than some some others And uh, I'm, I'm happy to see Alex Bowman Have the great races His first win was at Chicagoland Which <laughs> I am really excited about that as well uh, And I think we're going to see A lot more wins um, and, and uh, From Alex Bowman And a lot more success from him As time goes on uh, I think he'll definitely be in the playoffs this year and uh, we'll see how that all works out. Well, he will be in the playoffs because he's got a win already. But uh, I think he'll do well in the playoffs is what I meant to say there. So, Mike, what are your thoughts? Um, with regard to the sponsorship for Alex Bowman, um, I think the iRacing Pro Invitational Series, I know it's not super popular with the, uh, with the group we've got on the, on the air right now, uh, but I did watch all those Pro Invitational races, and I follow them on Twitter. Uh, Alex Bowman really had a personality that came out and shined during those uh, during those iRacing events. Uh, we got to see him in his own home. We, I, we saw a lot of drivers in their own home. But we got to really see a side of Alex Bowman that we don't get to see at the track in those structured interviews. And I think that went a long way to connect with the fans. And hopefully that connection with the fans brings in those sponsors who realize that, hey, this guy's got a really great personality. He attracts a lot of people mm-hmm. who are interested to hear what he has to say and maybe they want to support that driver a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, any follow-up from uh, Andy? Well, Mike, to your point, I think I'm the only one that actually liked those races. <laughs> but, um, it was I liked them. I thought avoid. they were a blast. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with those, and I I realized it was just meant to fill the void, and I'm really glad that real cars are back on the track. But, yeah, it was fun, especially to see, like, North Wilkesboro and some of these uh, unique venues come out. Pretty cool, I thought. It was, I'm glad they did it because they didn't have to do it, and the fact they came out and did that every week for us was pretty cool. So, But with that being said, I'm beyond glad that uh, the real deal is back for sure. Uh, Jay, any follow-ups there? Not like I said, uh, we'll see how he does this year, uh, maintain that, that, and uh, I'm sure the, the depth of his run into the playoffs this year will factor into the sponsorship deal. I think we all feel he's a good fit there, so hopefully that can get worked out to a long-term thing. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Mike, any, any follow-up on your part? Nope, that's about enough on Bowman, at least as far as what I've got to contribute. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the chat room because somebody uh, did comment there as far as a topic that they'd like to see discussed. Um, okay, and I know Jay, you've already kind of responded to uh, one of those comments. Somebody, popular human, it's one of our guests in the chat room. 
says that Jimmy Johnson, the desperation of Jimmy Johnson, uh, Jimmy Johnson, of course, was leading the race at uh, Darlington Raceway this past weekend. Uh, and on the last lap of the first stage, uh, he kind of had an encounter with uh, a slower car uh, and spun and then crashed into the wall, uh, which took him out of the race. So it, was that desperation, you think, or what What happened there? What What do you have to say about Jimmy Johnson at Darlington Raceway? Jay, we'll start with you. Well, and I know we talked about this in the chat room yesterday when it happened. Yeah, it was Jimmy's mistake. He owned it. Um, I think it was a matter of not desperation. I think he was just a little amped up that it's as good as he's run. I think they said that would have been only his second stage win since they've come with these stage racing and stage points. So I think he just got a little amped up. Um, and I know, I think it was Mike maybe referenced last year, the incident at the Roval going for the win. I said, you know, that was for the win. That wasn't desperation. Uh, he, he is in a desperation mode to a degree. They haven't won in a while, but they're running so much better now than even they did the beginning of last year. They really started to come on strong at the end of last year. I didn't see that one so much as desperation move. It was a little ballsy, you know, and aggressive, but that was for a win. You know, this was just an honest mistake. I don't think he was um, desperately trying to lap that car or, you know, get that stage win, you know, and he knows it. He, you know, like I said, he admitted it. He, he made the mistake and he hated it for his team. So I don't think we'll see that again. Uh, you know, they are, again, his winless streak obviously has to be playing on him, but they're in a good car. They're, the Chevys are good. So I don't think we'll see him in, a, in any kind of desperate, mad attempt to, uh, to a, get a position or a, a win. Um, anybody in the position of got a chance to take that win. Some drivers wouldn't have. I get that. You know, there's a couple that say they won't. You know, they won't hit somebody to win. But I didn't think that was a, a bad Maybe a little over aggressive, but it was for the win and moving on in the playoffs. So, okay, and Mike, we'll go to you next. See, I, I disagree a little bit uh, with Jay on this one. I think Jim, uh, Jimmy Johnson may be a little desperate right now. Um, it is his last year, uh, but even even before that, uh, we already talked about the Roval. But last year at Indianapolis for the playoff cutoff race, Jimmy came in just at the cut line. I think a couple points one way or the other. Um, and he was there about 80 laps prior to the end of the race, racing a little too hard for positions that he didn't need at that minute, lost the car and backed it into the fence. Um, so that was, that's another pretty clear incident that I can think of just off the top of my head where Jimmy Johnson didn't drive like Jimmy Johnson. He drove like a driver who doesn't have 83 wins in seven championships. And he almost drove like a driver who, who wants that first win. And in a lot of ways, I'm sure it's kind of that same mentality of, of a driver who still hasn't had their first win of that, you know, anticipation, that anxiety, that desire. Jimmy's talked a lot about, he still has that competitive drive. And as much as he says that he doesn't pay too much attention to the people criticizing him and, and, and saying, maybe he doesn't have what he, what it takes anymore. Maybe subconsciously, I think Jimmy Johnson does feel like he has something to prove and is trying maybe a little too hard sometimes to prove it. Okay. Interesting. Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think I said in the chat room yesterday that it was a it was an overzealous move, and uh, it's uncharacteristic for Jimmy Johnson to make a move like that. Um, you know, just 
you know, coming off the corner there and he, he just got up into another car. You don't see him make those kind of mistakes very often, but I just think that he hasn't really been in a position to contend to lead races in, in quite some time. And uh, I just think he um, made an uncharacteristic mistake. I think he'd be the first and, and he's already admitted that to, you know, so um disappointing to see that happen. I think there's a lot of us that would love to see him get a win or two before it's all said and done. Um, but, you know, he's the kind of guy that I think will learn from that, and I don't think you'll see him make that same mistake, and, and we'll probably have just as good of a car Wednesday night. So I uh, hated to see that. You know, certainly uncharacteristic for a seven-time champion, but, you know, things like that do happen from time to time, and I'm, I'm sure he won't make that mistake twice. But, um, you know, I definitely think it was a, a bit overzealous and certainly uncharacteristic from what we would normally see from him. Okay. Um, Jimmy Johnson is a seven-time champ. I, I think Chad, not having Chad Knauss has maybe had a little bit bigger effect on Jimmy than than we might think. I know they were kind of uh, at each other a little bit, if you will, but I also think that uh, Chad Knauss had an effect on Jimmy Johnson uh, that he's not getting from Jimmy Small or James Small. Uh, so that, I think, is part of it. That could have been a spotter situation, too, and Jimmy's not one to call out the spotter for something like that. He would take the blame before he would he would uh, call out a spotter. So I, I don't see uh, – when I, when I talk about Chad Knauss having a calming effect on Jimmy, I don't mean that in a, in a negative way because I see Jimmy in a – as a very cool, calm, and collected kind of guy. I don't see him getting real excited about things. So I find it hard to believe that he would be overzealous or or overexcited or, or pushing himself too hard in this situation. I, I know it's his last year. I know that he is, um, uh, you know, looking at other opportunities uh, he doesn't see this as it's his last full-time year. It's not his last year racing. He could see himself coming back to race races in NASCAR in the future, uh, but he's also looking at IndyCar. Um, so Jimmy Johnson's already looking ahead. He's not really so focused on this last year. Would he love to win a championship? Of course he would. Um, but I see Jimmy Johnson as a more more cool, calm, and collected guy than somebody who's going to be in a desperate situation or pushing too hard. Um, he's competitive, uh, but I, I do think that uh, uh, that was uh, something that happened at the track that I think, Jay, you said it. It's a mistake, and it's not something that he'll probably repeat. I think uh, Jimmy Johnson's a pretty quick study when it comes to things like that. And I know you've cited some other things, Mike, uh, from previous uh, races, uh, but again, if anything, if anything, because he is such a cool, calm, and collected guy, the one thing that I say might be happening is that with it being his last year and the fact that he's looking ahead, maybe he's kind of lost a little bit of focus for the length of the races, um, and, and I say that with a big, in quotation marks, might have lost some focus. Uh, because I do think that Jimmy Johnson is a competitive guy. So that's that's just my thoughts on it. But uh, let's go back to uh, um, 
Jay, I think you started this off. Let's go back to you in your follow-ups. Well, where I don't see where people said that he's lost his competitiveness. Uh, the one I used, the Roval, I mean, that's what it was. If if he were truly concerned about his position and whatnot, if he'd have run second, he'd have made the playoffs uh, the next round by the wreck he caused going for the win. It actually cost him. So, And I know that was one mm-hmm. where there was some discussion within the team. You know, but that tells you that he's a driver. He wants to win, period. You know, and that may have come into play again. It was just a stage, but like I said, he's only been in that position a couple of times. So, and yeah, just it was over, as Andy said, overzealous and a mistake. So I, I don't think we'll see that again. And he said time and time again, right now he is so happy with the car the way it is, how fast the car mm-hmm. is. He's going to make sure he doesn't make that mistake again. I, I guarantee it. Mike, your follow-up. There's no debate. Jimmy Johnson is one of the greatest drivers who has ever driven a stock car in the history of NASCAR. Uh, We've already talked about his resume. We also talked about in the chat room yesterday uh, with regard to Ryan Newman, there may be, if there's a singular moment in recent history with Jimmy Johnson that someone could point to and say that may have affected him would be his crash at Pocono back in 2017. He was less than a month off of his most recent win uh, at Dover that year. And then he lost his brakes and hit the turn one wall extremely hard. And ever since that crash, Jimmy Johnson hasn't driven like Jimmy Johnson. And it really makes you wonder if there, if it's a comparison like what you have in other professional sports with a running back who tears his, his ACL or a pitcher who tears his shoulder. Medically, they're fine. They're perfectly well healed. They are physically exactly where they were before the incident. But mentally, they can't get, even just subconsciously, they can't get that little reminder out of their head. And it just takes that little bit of edge away from them. And it makes me wonder if that's what happened to Jimmy Johnson. That crash well, where he's, you know, he get out of the car and he's immediately talking about how he was thinking about his girls as he was hitting the wall. It really makes you wonder if that has subconsciously taken just a little bit of that edge away from Jimmy Johnson. Okay. Uh, Andy, your follow-up. That's a good point. And I think we've seen other drivers go through this in the past too, where you, they have such a, you know, a big moment like that, you know, a big impact. And and while they may be physically okay, you have to wonder if that doesn't take the edge away. And we've seen examples of this in the past. So I I think that is a good point. Um, I will say that I think Jimmy's in the best position he's been in since uh, that moment in 2017. Um, You know, the cars are as good as they've been in a long time for him. And I think that's the thing too is, um, you know, while his teammates have had some success during that time where Jimmy has struggled, I think that they are finally finding what works well for Jimmy Johnson, which may not necessarily be what works well for the rest of the Hendrick Motorsports team. But um, he finally has a crew chief, I think, that believes in him too. Not that uh, Chad Canals mm-hmm. didn't, but I believe that their relationship had grown stale. And I also believe that um, Kevin Meandering, who uh, serves as the crew chief for most of last year, and Jimmy while. Uh, he's a great crew chief and has had success in the Xfinity Series at JR Motorsports, maybe didn't pair quite well enough with Jimmy Johnson. But I believe that Cliff Daniels, who now is the crew chief of that car, believes in Jimmy, believes in that team. Um, I think that he, Jimmy finally has someone that meshes well with him personally and also believes in him and his ability. So, um, you know, I think that Jimmy finally has all the tools in place that will allow him um, to have a good year, and I think we will see him win a race or two before it's all said and done. Uh, 
Thank you so much, Andy. I said Jimmy Small, James Small earlier, and it is Cliff Daniels uh, that is uh, his crew chief. And and you're right. Uh, that's a, that's a really good point. But I want to add in there too. Uh, I think the other thing that's kind of impacted the last couple of years for Jimmy Johnson is the Camaro ZL1 or whatever it is. ZL1, I think it is. Um, I think that the adjustment to that car has been a challenge for Hendrick Motorsports uh, more more so uh, than some of the other changes that we've seen take place. And I think it's taken that group a little bit longer to to kind of come around. They've... turned the ship they they turned the corner and they they figured it out at this point and i think hendrick motorsports as a whole is starting to show improvement on the track uh but uh i think i think everybody's brought up some really good points here as to contributing factors to what might be uh a possibility there um with regard to what's happening with jimmy johnson but i do see him kind of turning turning the ship around uh, as part of the Hendrick Motorsports group. So I think overall they've they've shown a lot of improvement. All right. Uh, I think that brings us back to you, uh, Andy, for the next topic. I think um, two rookies really stood out yesterday, Tyler Reddick and John Hunter Nemechek, with really good runs. And on the flip side of things, um, we saw more disappointment from Christopher Bell, uh, and Cole Custer, and I know that it's still very early in the season. We just had a really long break, but um, I wanted to talk about, you know, what Reddick and, and John Hunter did yesterday, which I thought was quite impressive versus um, especially Christopher Bell, who has really not been good out of the gate this year. Okay, so uh, what are your thoughts about the rookies, Mike? Um, there's really two possibilities here. Uh, either one, uh, John Hunter Nemechek has been underperforming or, or, or you know, just sandbagging us a little bit here, uh, or he has just completely beclowned every single driver who's driven for Front Row Motorsports over the past few years uh, because Front Row Motorsports has been a good but not great team for the better part of a decade. They had David Reagan driving for them for years, and he was, he was a consistent top 20 driver, but never near the performance of John Hunter Nemechek. And I would say going into this season, I would have said the GMS racing in the Xfinity series where John Hunter was last year was a stronger Xfinity series team than front row motorsports was a cup series team. But we're seeing John Hunter Nemechek do even better in the cup series this year as a rookie than he did as a veteran driver in the Xfinity series. I've been thoroughly impressed with John Hunter Nemechek and I hope he continues to perform at that level. Okay, Jay. All right call out here uh if you recall earlier in the year i did a thing on rookies uh mike you were one that didn't believe in john hunter i'm glad to see you came around and joined the rest of us now that had the faith in him um i mean he he is a solid driver and, and i give credit to the teams he came up with um that he's run for under budgeted teams not top tier teams he takes care of equipment and and that's a huge thing and and there's a couple other factors uh just as it was with jimmy johnson chad knaus maybe just the driver crew chief combo that's with that team right now and are clicking a little bit better. Cause you're right. They are above where front row uh, motorsports has been in the past. 
Um, just find that right combination of crew chief driver or engineer and uh, crew chief. So whatever it is, uh, I think he is a good fit in that team. And I will say, although I had faith in him, obviously we expected Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell and Cole Custer, the big three from NASCAR or from the Xfinity series last year to be the top running contenders. And I know Nemechek had it out on Twitter it's the big three plus me, and he's actually second right now. Um, give you the update here. Tyler Reddick is 20th in points at 101. John Hunter is next at 22nd overall at 91 points. Cole Custer is at 88. And Brennan Poole and then Christopher Bell. Um, Christopher Bell has been, I don't want to say a disappointment, not to what we expected, even with that team. We knew that there were some concerns as far as that not being a full Joe Gibbs team, but they were supposed to get more support. And, I, again, I have every faith in, in Christopher Bell and that team that we're going to see better things from them than what we have. So I think this rookie battle really could heat up. And Tyler Reddick is one that we, we expected. I mean, we saw this, and uh, I think I'm next for the hot topic, so I'll wait to tie that into my hot topic But uh, as we go back around for uh, follow-ups. Okay. Um, I think that uh, you're right. We we had the big three going up to the Cup Series. Everybody was excited about that with Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer and Christopher Bell and John Hunter Nemechek. Um, nobody, everybody did talk about the big three, uh, and they thought that they were all going to have good races. I was one who had my doubts about Christopher Bell going to uh, Levine Family Racing, um, I didn't want Cole Custer going to uh, a similar type of a team. I was hoping desperately that he would be going to Stuart Haas Racing, where I thought he would have a better chance. Um, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, I know, has really come up the hard way, and I think you're right. I think that coming up the hard way has made him a better driver, and uh, I think there's two surprises that we've seen with the rookies. One is... Um, not really a surprise to me, but I know a surprise to a lot of people is that Christopher Bell is off to such a slow start. But I will say it's not the first time we've seen Christopher Bell have a slow start uh, as a rookie. Sometimes he, it takes him a few races to get into the season, but once he figures it out, we're going to see really big things, I think, from Christopher Bell. The other surprise, I think, from a lot of people is John Hunter Nemechek and the fact that he is doing—he was right up there with Tyler Reddick on a lot of these races, and he's doing really, really well. Um, uh, and and we've seen him do well in the trucks. We've seen him have some good Xfinity races. Uh, but now to ha- to make that jump to Cup is a huge, huge jump. It really is uh, a lot different than racing a truck. It's a lot different than racing an Xfinity car, um, and it takes some time to adjust. Uh, you know you're seeing a really good driver when you can see a driver like Tyler Ruddick and now John Hunter Nemechek as well uh, race a track like Darlington that's known to be a veteran's track and do as well as they did in that race yesterday. Um, I think these are two very, very talented drivers. And uh, one of the questions I had from watching the race yesterday is I noticed that Tyler Reddick was kind of sandwiched between um, 
uh, Denny Hamlin, and Matt Kenseth. And I really wanted to get on the teleconference with uh, Matt Kenseth today and ask him about racing with Tyler Reddick. Uh, and I, I got wrapped up in some other things and didn't get on that teleconference. But I will tell you, um, I did find an article on uh, NBC, and Matt Kenseth said that he had watched uh, from home the Miami race where he watched Tyler Reddick, and he said he and his dad were really, really impressed with the talent of uh, Tyler Reddick, and he really feels that Tyler Reddick has loads of talent. So that partially answered my question, not specifically about that race, but uh, they were really racing hard between those three drivers, and Tyler Reddick was right there in the mix. And if you look at the finishing order, um, uh, he he really did. He was right up there with those guys in that top ten. So uh, I and so was John Hunter Nemechek. So I really think uh, you're right. Though as the season goes on, we're going to see that change back and forth. It's still a little bit tight there. And Brennan Poole may surprise us somewhere down the road here as well. So he's right in there in third place. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, but who brought this up? Was that you, Andy? Andy, I want to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, Tyler Reddick having the strong start to the year that he has is um, not really a big surprise. I think that he's really elevated the game over at RCR and um, has really brought some life to that team. Uh, just an incredible talent. So what he's been able to do is not a big surprise. I think, um, you know, to me, the – the, probably the biggest surprise of all of them would have to be, you know, the slow start to, to Christopher Bell and make no mistake. He, he is an incredible talent. He's had a, a really good career to this point And, um, you know, he obviously has a bright future in the sport. Um, but that team, even though it is Levine family racing, they are effectively, it's a fifth Gibbs car. I mean, when you look at the level of support they're getting, it's not like it was last year where it was only partial. They, I believe, are getting full Gibbs equipment for the whole season. And he does have Jason Ratcliffe as the crew chief. So um, that's not really a slouch of a team. And I would venture to say that, um, you know, what John Hunter Nemechek did yesterday was, was quite impressive because I, when you look at it, and that's a team that doesn't have the level of funding that, um, you know, a, a, a Gibbs, Gibbs equipment or a Stuart Haas car has. Um, but that being said, I think that it's just probably a matter of John Hunter has the cup car figured out maybe a little bit quicker than some of these other guys. And I do think that as the season progresses, that Cole Custer, who is also an incredible talent, is going to figure it out. Christopher Bell is going to figure it out. And I really think when the season's all said and done, it's going to be quite a battle for Rookie of the Year. So even though you know some guys may catch on quicker than others, I, I wouldn't count any of them out just yet. Okay. Now, um, Jay, did you have any follow-up? Well, I, I was going to say, like we've talked about, I'm not sure uh, I know what the goal is, but we're five races into what is hopefully a 36-race season. So, again, it is early. Uh, we did expect a little bit more out of Christopher Bell. We've seen a little bit more than maybe expected out of John Hunter, uh, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer, kind of right there where we thought they'd be. Um, so I think it's going to be a really, really super interesting year. And, and as you mentioned, uh, Brendan Poole, uh, 29th in points, again, right in there with it, in between those um, Certainly could be a factor as well, depending on how that team develops. So 
we'll have to wait and see. Uh, again, hopefully we get all 36 races in. Um, but it is, it is early in the season. And like Sharon mentioned, you know, we've seen Christopher Bell uh, have some slow starts, but I think it will get turned around. Um, and then it'll be really interesting. Okay, Mike, follow-up? With regard to Tyler Reddick, there's one thing that concerns me about him, and that is what happens when he doesn't get a great car for a weekend. Watching him over the past two years in the Xfinity Series, the trend with Tyler Reddick, when he has a top-five car, he wins the race. When he has a top-ten car, he usually drives it up into the top-five. But when he has a top-20 car, he stuffs it in the fence and takes it back to the hauler before the race is over because he overdrove it. Um, I saw that a little bit yesterday. He managed to salvage a top-10 out of it. But talking about that battle with Denny Hamlin and Matt Kenseth, while they were on TV talking about him, he went up and clipped the fence with that car. Um, He's (laughs) an extremely talented driver, but he still has kind of that – I don't know if I want to describe it as immaturity, but that tendency to overdrive a car, maybe ask a little bit more out of it than what that car has to give him. And instead of settling for what he has, or maybe a little bit more than what he has, he tries to swing for the fences. And a lot of times it doesn't pay off for him. That's the reason that he didn't get that second season with junior motorsports in the Xfinity series, despite even winning the championship with them. It was that checkers or wreckers mentality that uh, resulted in a lot of torn up race cars, despite the success that he had with them. Yeah, you bring up a good point about Tyler Reddick. He has a tendency to overdrive the car, and it's part of his competitive nature. Um, and and uh, for the most part, he gets more out of the car than what the car has to give. And uh, I agree with you. He, he sometimes has that tendency to go overboard on it. Uh, he gets so competitive behind that wheel that, that sometimes uh, it gets the best of him. Uh, but I think for the most part, uh he does things that other drivers are not able to do. And uh, that's one of the things that Matt Kenseth was pointing out in the article from Dustin Long is that he saw him do things that he's not seen anybody else be able to do and uh, uh, be able to still hold on to that car. So he, 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 is, he manhandles that car uh, without a doubt. But you're right, the immaturity, his youth – uh, sometimes works a little bit against him. I think it, sometimes it gets a little bit better of him. But uh, I do think that overall he's he's a really talented guy. If he gets that under control, we're going to see some amazing things, uh, even more amazing than what we're seeing now, I think, from Tyler Ruddick. Andy, your follow-up? Uh, I think I'm good on that one. Okay. Uh, Jay, I was going to go to Mike, but I think I'll go to you because we're coming up, uh, well, before we go, we're coming up to that 1030 time frame, and I've got to do my little spiel here because we're going to go off the air right at 1030. So if you are listening, what's going to happen is that uh, uh, we go off the air, but we do continue recording the rest of the conversation, and that part of our show is available on our podcast. I go out on Twitter to let everybody know that the podcast is available. Uh, And then for those who have listened up to that point, uh, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation or that bonus material. Uh, Podcast listeners, of course, will be able to listen straight through. But we like to alert fans uh, to the fact that that happens right at 1030 uh, so that you are not alarmed when we go off air mid-sentence. So with that said, uh, Mike, I was going to go to you, but I think I'm going to acquiesce to 
uh, Jay, because Jay, I think you had a tag-along topic uh, to go with what we just discussed. We did. As I had it written down here, it involves uh, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, and I didn't hear Austin <laughs> Dillon's actual in-car radio. All right, you know where I'm going. Uh, yeah. Something to the effect that he wished he had the team that Tyler Reddick had, and they both come out of RCR. I also saw on Twitter, and again, fans are going to be fans, and social media is their outlet. Somebody make the comment of, well, now we know what the problem is at RCR. Um, so I'll let you guys throw your thoughts out there first, and then I'll come back. Okay, Mike, let's start with you. There's no mistake of why Austin Dillon is in the car, and it has to do with the number on the side and who is on his family tree. Uh, Austin Dillon is a talented driver. He can drive a race car better than I can, but there's a reason I make my living doing what I do, and there's a reason Austin Dillon makes his living doing what he does. Um, Austin Dillon is probably the weakest aspect of that three car. They've changed everything but the number on the side of that car over the past few years that he's been in there, and he's consistently run no better than his teammates. Ryan Newman won races when he was in the 31 car. Uh, Daniel Hemmer put a very strong rookie season in in the eight car last year. Unfortunately, he lost that ride for Tyler Reddick. It was of my opinion that if it were a fair world, which it isn't, but if it were a fair world, Daniel Hemrick would stay in the eight car and Tyler Reddick would be in the three car. I think there was much more room for growth with Daniel Hemrick than there is with Austin Dillon. And I think the Hemrick Reddick pair would be a much stronger pairing at RCR than anything involving Austin Dillon. Okay. Interesting thoughts. So uh, Andy, let's go to you next. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that quote was a joke. I'm not sure it was actually said on the radio. I think it was meant to um, meant to be a joke. I'd have to go back and and, and find it. But um, nonetheless, I you know RCR has made significant changes in the interest of bettering the performance of all of their teams. But I I will say that I think Tyler Reddick puts a lot of pressure on Austin Dillon to perform. Um, you know, and, and quite frankly, I think that uh, Tyler Reddick has the ability to be the leader of that team. So um, there is going to be some pressure on Austin to perform now because they, to Jay's point, or maybe it was Mike's point, I'm not sure, but they've changed everything on that car except the number, and the results continue to remain to be the same. But I will say that, you know, maybe with the um, with the level of success that Tyler has, you know, maybe that'll push Austin to get better performance out of his car too. So, um, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this goes, but I definitely think Tyler Reddick puts a lot of pressure on Austin Dillon to perform now. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think the pressure is going to be on Austin and I think we're going to see that play out throughout the year because Tyler Reddick is going to perform as we've seen him do for the last couple of years in the Xfinity Series. He's going to perform in the Cup Series, and we're already seeing signs of that. Um, I think it was Kevin Harvick. Was it Kevin Harvick, I think, um, that was talking about the Silver Spoon uh, as it relates to Austin Dillon? Uh, And I think it might have been one of the precipitating factors that caused him to make a change over to Stuart Haas Racing. Now, I know that... Kevin Harvick also has a good relationship with Tony Stewart and that that might have been a driving factor as well. But you did kind of sense that when Austin Dillon kind of came into the picture, um, 
it, it created some uh, bad feelings, I think, within RCR. So, you know, now we've seen Daniel Hemrick get pushed out uh, in order to make room for Tyler Reddick. And I, I tend to agree that it would have been cool to see Daniel Hemrick stay there. Uh, but what Daniel Hemrick has kind of going against him is that that guy's never won a race in any series he's driven in. He didn't win in, in the Can-N series. He did not win in the uh, trucks. He didn't win in Xfinity. And we haven't seen him win uh, in cups. So uh, that, I think, is is the driving one of the driving factors that probably played into the fact that he lost that ride as well. Uh, is he capable of winning? Yes, I, I do think he's capable of it. But I think he he takes such good care of his equipment that it's not in his nature to really race hard for that win when the nitty gets gritty at the end of the race. So I I think there might have been some other factors that were involved with that. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him get more development at RCR than what he was given. Uh, one year is not enough. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him have at least a second year there. But um, uh, I do think it's going to be interesting to watch the dynamics. I tend to agree with Andy to say that uh, I, when I heard about that comment, I didn't really hear it directly from Austin, but I kind of took it as a tongue-in-cheek kind of comment as well. But you know what they say sometimes when somebody's kidding around is that they're not really kidding. So maybe that's kind of where this is coming from. Um, but I I uh, I do think that the dynamic there is going to be interesting to watch as this season progresses, and especially if Tyler Ruddick starts to really uh, consistently outperform Austin Dillon. It might push Austin Dillon to be a better driver, um, depending on how that relationship develops at RCR between those two drivers. If they can get past <laughs> some of the stuff that that uh, some of the feelings about him being the grandson of Richard Childress, uh, and develop a relationship, uh, that I think that there are some possibilities there. Uh, but if if that feeling about him being the grandson of Richard Childress continues to permeate within the organization and it, it causes people to leave because of it, uh, then I, I think that they have to look at within the organization to maybe think about what they need to do about that because it's, it's not healthy. So that's just some of my top-of-the-line thoughts. Andy, what are your thoughts? I don't really have any no, follow-up to that. I'm I'm sorry, Jay. You brought that up. What are your thoughts, Jay? Well, Sharon, once again, you've managed to do it. I got nothing to say. No, um, <laughs> we've, been, we've been back for two shows, and we're back in sync because you took the words out of my mouth. Kevin Harvick, Silver Spoon, and that was, what, five, six years ago. This isn't a new topic mm-hmm. that's brought, been brought up as far as Austin Dillon and where why he's in that ride. You know, you know, Mike touched on it, um, and it's obviously well known. And I would take nothing away from Austin Dillon as a driver. Uh, as Mike said, he can drive a car better than I can, I'm sure. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, Kevin Kevin saw it back then already, and I think that was a huge factor in him leaving RCR 
And I know it's, at the time there was a little bit of uh, frustration. I think they're on good terms now, but, you know, Kevin, Kevin saw it coming. And mm-hmm. it's one of those – last year was a perfect example. Uh, you know, Mike, Mike said it. Ideally, if the world were fair, Austin would have been the one out of a ride, not Daniel Hemrick. Although he hadn't won, I know he hasn't. Uh, I just think that talent – or not talent, but uh, how did you put it? the opportunity for growth there. I mean, we've seen Austin Dillon. We haven't really seen him grow any. He's maintained. He went in a race every now and then, but he hasn't grown and become a weekly contender. And you got Tyler Reddick that comes in. That is. And even last year, Austin really didn't outrun Daniel Hemrick all that much on a week-to-week basis. So, I mean, that's got to tell you something. And, I mean, I feel – understand where Richard Childress is at, but if he really wants to do best by the company, I think that 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 final change needs to be looked at. Well, especially, I think, with this year. Uh, Mike, did you have a follow-up? Well, Jay kind of touched on it. Austin Dillon has been driving that three car for since 2014. That's six seasons, going on six seasons that he's been in that car. He was a rookie in the same class as Kyle Larson. And obviously Kyle Larson isn't in the car right now, but if you look at what Kyle Larson had had done in the 42 car versus what Austin Dillon has done in the three car, it's pretty stark. Austin Dillon has two wins, but one was he won the fuel mileage lottery at Charlotte in the Coke 600, and he dumped the leader to win the Daytona 500. Austin Dillon has never really dominated a race, and I don't know that he has the capability to do so in the future. Um, I don't think he's going to be out of a ride as long as he wants to drive that three car. Um, I think he's probably as secure in a ride as Paul Menard is. Whenever he wants to drive, granddaddy is going to let him drive the race car. But I think if Richard Childress Racing is serious about the three car getting back to victory lane, they might need to look for a different driver than Austin Dillon. Okay. Uh, Andy, uh, any follow-up from you? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at some messages. Uh, no, no follow-up. Um, I think that all the points have been made, and um, but I, I think that just to kind of cap it off, I think that Tyler Reddick really has brought something to that team that will allow Richard Childress Racing to get back to where it was. Uh, when Kevin Harvick drove for them back when, uh, you know, it was Harvick, Boyer, and Burton, you know, back when the team was relevant. And I think for for the first time since that era, um, you know, they have a chance to become relevant again. And I think Tyler Reddick will help them get there. Okay. Um, And I I think I'm good. I think I've said everything I need to say. Um, If if, if we were – if we were doing the TV show, I don't know if you guys know it, that it's called uh, Around the Horn, where there's multiple yeah. analysts and they all get to make their points and certain one gets points. I think the points go to Mike, uh, bringing up Paul Menard. I mean, that's another perfect example. So I'll, I'll even secede it. I'll give the points to Mike. <laughs> there you go, Mike. Uh, okay, Mike, it's your turn to come up with the hot topic. So what's next? You know, I really don't think I've got anything more. We're already almost 20 minutes over, so uh, you know, maybe we can talk about the Gen 7 car in another uh, another episode or something along those lines. But uh, that's all I've got for the evening. Okay, Jay, do you have anything more? Okay, Mike, I'm taking those points back because uh, just because we hit a certain time, we don't quit until they make us, and me especially. Oh, no. So I, I still have three topics on my list. <laughs> oh, Lord. 
<laughs> well, well, we'll combine two of them. Uh, we'll start at the top here. The return of Matt Kenseth and Ryan Newman. Kenseth, obviously, a little bit longer layoff. Um, Newman from the accident. Both had solid runs. Uh, we saw some uh, some good good things out of both of them. Uh, I know we mentioned this with Jimmy Johnson, you know, maybe the little bit of hesitation on uh, Ryan Newman's part. I can't say I saw a whole lot of that, but you never know what the driver's thinking or where they're at. Um, but I know several talked about the, uh, during the broadcast, you know, Matt Kenseth. I mean, he truthfully did not lose a step. Uh, I know he said it uh, after the race that he was the, the weak link on that team. And if he's the weak link and they're running 10, as he gets better and back into the flow, look out. Okay. Andy, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, I think, um, you know, both had good runs, obviously. Uh, Ryan Newman, I think that was a pretty typical Ryan Newman run when you look at where that six car in Roush or Fenway racing is right now. Um, they will probably get better as the season goes on, but I, I think 15th is respectable for, for where they are right now. Um, Really impressed with Kenseth. I think for him to not drive a car since 2018, he hasn't driven this aero package yet. Um, he's never driven a Chevrolet. He's never worked for Ship Ganassi Racing or been with this team. And for him to come in and get a top 10 right off the bat, I think uh, speaks volumes about his talent and, and where they can be as the season goes on. So um, really impressed with Kenseth yesterday. I, I honestly thought he'd finish somewhere around – and, I mean, this is foolish of me to think this, but I thought that he'd probably finish mid-pack, and uh, he proved me wrong. Uh, that just goes to show you how good he is, and I think that uh, that's only going to get better with the year. Okay. Mike, your thoughts? Well, I had to correct somebody on Twitter about this yesterday. They said something to the effect that Matt Kenseth quit NASCAR. And my reply was, Matt Kenseth never quit NASCAR. NASCAR quit Matt Kenseth. Um, it was really disappointing to see him get edged out of that 20 car Joe Gibbs racing. It really makes me wonder, given the performance of Eric Jones over the past few years, is there a little bit of buyer's remorse over Joe Gibbs racing? Jones has been good, but that 20 car was a championship contender when Matt Kenseth was driving it. And now it's an occasional race win contender. Um, Matt Kenseth, despite his age, I think he's the oldest driver in the field now. Uh, Matt Kenseth still has every single thing it takes to win another cup championship, and he's been granted that waiver. He may very well win another cup championship this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, uh, actually I don't think it was NASCAR that let him go. I think it was JGR that let him go, uh, and and that's a shame because as much as I like Eric Jones and I do like him, uh, I, I really felt bad for Matt Kenseth in that situation. Uh, but I also agree with what Jay has said in that how impressive was it for him to not be in that car since 2018. Totally different package, totally different car, because he was not driving Chevrolets. He was driving Toyotas. Totally different team. <laughs> New crew chief. I mean, all of that is is different. And, uh, and show and go, show and go racing, show and go racing, no practice. And he got in that car and, and was really racing. Well, I thought I, that was impressive. And, uh, I, I really thought he did a fantastic job. Newman, the, the concern I have with Newman is I know he says he has no recollection of that accident. Um, 
but there's there's a thing called I don't know what you call it actually. I'm going to call it body recognition. Even or a subconscious recognition. Even though you you don't remember consciously what happened in a situation like that, um there is something about your body that remembers what happened. And as a result of that subconsciously it could affect Newman's racing. Uh, for a while until he gets more acclimated again in that car and starts to feel more comfortable in it. So I give him a little bit of a pass, but he still had, what, a top 15 finish yesterday, Uh, which I think is still good. Let me look here and see if I can see where he finished. Yeah, I believe he finished finished 28th. Actually, he finished uh, 28th. Oh, that's the points report. Hold on. I, that's the point. Yeah, the he's 28th in points. Ryan Newman did finish 15th. Okay. So um, I, that's still pretty good considering what he went through. Uh, and so I, I really was kind of impressed with both of those guys. But I do have concerns with Newman uh, making – there's going to be a little bit of a transition period, I think, for Newman, even though he probably doesn't remember it. I do think his body does remember, and subconsciously his body remembers what happened. And and there's going to be some impact from that, I think. Uh, so, uh, Andy, did we talk to you yet? Yeah, uh, I don't have any follow-up. I don't have any follow-up for that. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Yeah, uh, I know what, what your concern is there, Sharon, but Andy, Andy said it. Um, Although he was running second going for the win at Daytona, it was Daytona. A 15th place mm-hmm. for where Roush Fenway has been racing and where Newman helped get him to at the end of last year and coming into this year, I don't think was all that unexpected. Uh, I think he did a phenomenal job just being back out there. Uh, like you said, he, he may not remember it, but he watched the video, so he knows it happened. You know, uh, He's broken that down a couple of times of it, him watching it and just seeing what happened. So just the fact that he was out there, you got to give him props for that. And I believe that's about where that car has been running a track like Darlington hasn't been a strong suit for Roush over the years where they have struggled. So um, I think he did a, a great job, a being back out there and b getting out of the car, what the cars are capable of at this point, which again is what he's known for. Uh, but the big props do have to go to bet Matt Kenseth. I mean, just being out of mm-hmm. NASCAR, the NASCAR level, I know he's been doing some other racing, but being out of the NASCAR level, for two years, um, like you said, there's so many things different with the car. You're talking about a different manufacturer, a brand new team, a brand new organization. So, uh, big props to Matt Kenseth. Okay, Andy, did you have any follow-up? Uh, no, I don't. Do you have any other topics, uh, Andy? Uh, no, I think. To me, we've covered all the big ones, and I think Jay said he still had one left, but uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, Okay, Mike, do you want to throw yours out there, or do you want to wait for another time? Well, just regard to Ryan Newman, he could have finished dead last in that race, and I would have been thrilled just to see Ryan Newman back in a race car. (laughs) I rewind, rewind four months. I was worried he was dead 
Not, yeah, not that he wouldn't race again. I was worried Ryan Newman did not survive that crash because it did not look survivable. And the fact that he's back racing at the cup level, and I, obviously there's a bit of a break, but he missed three races. And, oh, by the way, he's still ahead of Christopher Bell in the points. Um, the fact that Ryan Newman is back on the racetrack is phenomenal, and I could not be happier for it to have happened. That, that's a very good point, and I, I agree 100%. Okay, um, Mike, do you want to throw a topic out? Uh, no, Jay said he's got a fistful of them. I already kind of deferred to him. I'm keeping those points, though, Jay. Okay. I already put them towards the fantasy team. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I run, I run the fantasy. I'll let you know when you get points on the fantasy side. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he wins we, every year. <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. It's like a bank room monopoly. Uh, uh, that worked. That worked. No, that worked the first year. They caught on the second year. Last year, uh, I think I won the overall, <laughs> but I don't know that I won any of the series. So they caught on to that trick. Every once in a while, one of them asked me, "Hey, did you add this right?" I'd be like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, uh, so no. Jay, what's what's your last topic? Well, this one's kind of, and I, it's kind of more towards the Xfinity, but could come into play in the Cup with the Xfinity not having the practice. Um, whether or not that gives the advantage to the established teams, um, but I actually think it might help the li- littler teams by not having the practice session first. It's one of those, again, you got to show up, we've seen this, show up to the track with a fast car. However, your bigger teams just have the more resources, the more knowledge and experience if they get an hour and a half practice to make changes and find more speed once they hit the track, whereas your littler teams don't. So, I think that maybe with, for the, at least on the Xfinity side, um, that these teams, when they show up, are going to be a little bit closer that maybe, you know, the, the, the team came with a setup and were planning on adjusting to it and now can't, that it might actually be an advantage to some of the, the littler teams um, that that hour and a half actually allows the big teams to, get, like I said, they're able to find speed, whereas these other teams aren't. So. Uh, I think it'll be interesting for sure in the Xfinity series to how, see how this goes without the practice time. Okay, Andy, what are your thoughts there? I, uh, to some degree, disagree with that because I think that uh, there's enough cup-affiliated teams in the Xfinity series that will undoubtedly debrief with the cup teams following yesterday's race and we'll gain some knowledge about the track and setups. And, I, you know, I don't think the Xfinity cars are grossly different from the Cup cars. Yeah, they're different. It's a different aero package. There's there's obvious differences. But if if you're a Cup-affiliated team, I think you have a distinct advantage in terms of learning some stuff that probably can apply to the Xfinity car. So um, I, I get what Jay's saying there. You know, there may be an opportunity for a lesser-funded team to show up and, and nail the setup and, maybe, you know, earn a top 15 versus a top 25, but I still think your 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 well-funded, cup-affiliated teams will steal the show tomorrow for sure. Okay. Uh, Mike, your thoughts? Well, I said it before going into this race that this was really going to favor the teams with the deepest notebooks, and to a large extent it did. Um, you look at the, the top 10 in there, you had the rookies, Tyler Reddick and, and John Hunter Nemechek, but they also came from deep organizations. 
the big advantage there was the teams who had experienced either crew chiefs, drivers, or engineers, or a combination thereof, that last race at Darlington in the spring. We saw Hendrick Motorsports rolled off extremely fast. Stuart House Racing rolled off fast. And Richard Childress Racing with Tyler Reddick had a very fast car. And the one thing that all those teams had in common was a deep notebook with experience at Darlington. So it may give an advantage to some of the smaller, underfunded teams, but there's a lot of young teams at the Xfinity Series that don't really have the depth of experience that a lot of, especially the Cup teams, do. So I don't think that they're going to have an advantage, and if anything, it's going to be a disadvantage not having the practice and the ability to test and fine-tune those cars to get them ready like they normally would throughout a race weekend. Okay. I do think it's going to be an interesting race tomorrow with the Xfinity Series drivers. Uh, Those cars race a lot differently than the Cup Series cars race. Um, And these guys are not as experienced with driving uh, without a practice as what the Cup Series guys are. They might have a little bit of experience from, like, their late model days or uh, that sort of thing, but um, these guys are going to be going in cold tomorrow with no practice or anything. These guys talked about driving, walking from the motorhome to their car, doing the national anthem, and then getting in and driving. So that's how cold it's going to be. Uh, If it does rain tomorrow during the day, they're going to be starting on a green track too. So I think that's going to kind of change how this whole race plays out, uh, especially with the no practice. I, I see what you're saying about the underfunded teams, but I kind of agree with what's been said. There's so many deep notebooks here that I don't think it's really going to give them that much of an advantage uh, going into tomorrow's race. Um, and it is going to be fun to, to see what happens uh, for sure. But I'm curious to know what your thoughts are, Jay. Well, that's right. Again, first off, I'm not saying they're going to come out and whoop them. Um, I think it's going to close the gap. Uh, the cream is always going to mm-hmm. rise to the top. We know that there are some very strong uh, Xfinity teams. Uh, I just I think it's going to close the gap. And I, I'm using the same thought process you guys are. It's, it's about the depth, which case during those practice sessions, the teams that have that depth can improve from where they unloaded at, whereas I don't think these underfunded teams do. So that's where I think it just kind of closes that gap. Um, and you're right. We're going to see some maybe that were top 20, top 15 move up a little. Um, or at least, again, like I said, be a little bit more competitive in mixing it up, at least in the beginning part of the race. Uh, no, you know, we've seen uh, Darlington maybe not so much as some other tracks, but the underdog story, I don't know that we're going to see that right off the bat here. I just think that that does give that the underfunded teams a little bit of a, a closer, a closing that gap a little bit because they don't get that extra hour, hour and a half of practice where the good, the top teams improve from where they unloaded. Okay. Um, any follow-ups, Andy? Uh, no, none for me. I think everything's been said for that one. Yeah, any follow-ups from Mike? Uh, one thing to note, it will be a green racetrack tomorrow no matter what. It did rain like crazy yesterday after the Cup Series race wrapped uh, up. Uh, so the track has been washed at least once. So even the notes that can't, may come from the Cup Series race may be of limited usefulness to the Xfinity Series. So it will be green. Okay, good point, good point. 
Okay. We've got a little time here, Jay. Uh, why don't we give our picks for the Xfinity Series uh, for the race tomorrow night? Well, we'll, t- we'll turn it over to Andy then because we're waiting on Andy. Uh, we got four, five of the seven in. Yeah, Andy, you and Sharon are left, and Sharon's got to wait on you. Uh, she said everybody already took her pick, so whoever you pick is probably on her list too. So normally it's me. I'm happy it's you this time. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm on my second list. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought Sharon was supposed to go before me. I would have done this a while ago, but um, can't believe you guys missed it, but Kyle Busch is going to be I knew you were going to do that. I, I was surprised James that, didn't Andy. take him. I was surprised, yeah, I was surprised James surprised didn't take him. he wasn't taken yet. Yeah, I thought Sam right. would take oh, him, Andy. too. I was surprised to see his oh, yeah, name on right. there. Sam, down Sam missed him, too, yep. Yeah, I'm surprised it got this deep for Kyle Busch. And I said, Doug, on it, I know Andy is going to take him before I get the chance. Well, you okay, see, uh, so Jay took Jay took Chase Briscoe, so I had to go with somebody else. <laughs> well, hey, when your well, when your list is it. only one driver deep, you know, yeah, when your list is only one driver deep, you know, you got got to. Well, That's right. I had to go. <laughs> Uh, a lot deeper than one driver or two drivers or even three drivers, and now four drivers or five drivers. I'm in. I've I've got a total of six drivers. I had to kind of put on the side here. Um, so tell us why you think BJ okay. McLeod is going to win. <laughs> I said no, it and close the gap, uh, I, not win. I I am going to go out on a limb here since I'm kind of forced to at this point. I thought about picking Justin Algauer. Uh, because I think he probably is pretty good at I'm, – I'm torn right now between Justin Algauer and the other one I'm torn with is I've really been impressed with what Riley Erbst has done so far in the Xfinity series. And so I'm kind of toying with the idea of picking Riley Erbst, and I think I might just do that just for the heck of it. And I thought about also picking Ryan Sieg because Ryan Sieg, too, has been – really impressive and I think he's on knocking on that door of possibly getting uh, a win here at some point but I'm going to go out on a limb Ah, do I want to do that at Darlington though and under these circumstances Ross Chastain is another one yeah he's another one he hasn't been picked yet but he hasn't been doing that great this year uh Okay, I've talked myself out of Riley. I'm going to go with Al Gower. I'm going to go with Al Gower. And it's because of the circumstances. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sharon. It's because of the circumstances Uh, and the track. It's more of a veteran's track than a rookie track. But we saw some rookies do really good. And I think Riley is going to do good at that track. So just know he's he's one I've strongly considered. But go ahead, Jay. Okay. Uh, Andy may have said it in the, in the group messenger to make it official. He was picking Kyle Busch. And I was going to respond with it's only official to write it down. But I thought you were going with Riley Herb, so I wrote it down. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, I had the races all lined up and written down, too, and I had to scratch all them out with this schedule change. So <laughs> nothing's official, oh gosh, even I'm if sorry. it's written down, I guess. 
Oh man, it's been. I did. I I went through uh, Sunday during the race. I actually rewrote them all, and I'm stopping where I know they've published so far. I'm not even going to try and uh, do anything more in advance this time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I kind of went around the bush there, but um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a funny terminology. But yeah, I did go <laughs> around the bush. Uh, <laughs> But I, I ended up – I'm going to end up on Al Gower. I'm going to stick with Al Gower on this one. Well, and with Darlington, I think you're kind of making the right call there. I know you talked about Ryan Sieg uh, as well as Riley Herbst, and that's one of those things of this early in the year, especially with that gap, you hope that they can continue that momentum they had because um, they certainly were uh, really showing some great things there. So that's one of the things as this race gets underway tomorrow night – we'll be looking at is these teams that can carry that momentum from the beginning of the year, uh, especially two teams like that, that were really exciting to see. Yes, indeed. Okay. Well, we're at the top of the hour and uh, I think we're ready to call it a day. Uh, what we do is a round table here, here. I'll go ahead and start with Andy and go to Jay and then Mike, just so he can get a feel for what, what it is that we do here at the round table. So, and, Andy, why don't you go first? Yeah, social media. I do everything uh, Twitter at AFD14 and uh, typically do Hot Topics article pieces every week. I will write something this week. I have yet to decide on what just yet, but uh, we'll be getting back into that as uh, racing continues. And uh, obviously excited about Xfinity and another Cup Series race in Darlington uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's going to be fun. Okay, Jay? All right. Well, uh, I, I'm a little more than than Ambie there. Mine's going to take a little bit, but you can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, if you didn't see this past weekend, dirt tracks are starting to race, open back up and get racing. So I didn't even have my microphone with me and prepared, but that doesn't stop the big mouth of the Mid-South. Thunder Valley Raceway <laughs> over in uh, Winfield, Alabama, uh, my first visit there, got a couple videos there and had a blast with it. And this weekend could be in Montgomery for an asphalt race. The Rattler could be at Magnolia Motor Speedway, home of the Black Ice, as they are opened up with fans following this past weekend where they did with no fans. Thunder Hill Raceway in Summerton, Tennessee, also running a big late model race. So, Mike, if you want to catch a race, uh, let me know because I'm going somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> Okay, and uh, Mike? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Orzel. It's Mike underscore Orzel, O-R-Z-E-L. Um, I'm also going to be writing for Fan for Racing blog. I look for my first article is live now regarding the Dark Horse candidates for the replacement for Jimmy Johnson and the number 48 car. Four more articles to follow about more likely candidates to fall into that number 48 ride. Uh, and then once I get done with that series, I'll figure out something else to write for the blog as well. Um, that's about well, it. Well, you've got I don't another know if one. I'll be able to... Oh, I've got, uh, you were talking about the, uh, the track article already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. If we're going to let that cat out of the bag, we're working on a series of articles regarding the dead or no longer in use tracks that NASCAR used to race at and whether or not they could make a return to the series in some form or another. Uh, we should see those. I think we were talking about doing a Thursday weekly release on those over the next five weeks or so. So keep your eye out for those articles as well. Okay. All right. Uh, you're going to go to a racetrack? Your guess is as good as mine. 
Uh, probably not this month. I'm pretty covered up with work, and they uh, already pre-planned vacation. Uh, as the schedule tends to solidify, I'll see if maybe I can make the June Talladega race, if not maybe the fall Talladega race since they're local to me. Uh, kind of wide open, but the work schedule tends to dictate where I am and what I do. Um, so stay tuned, but I have no, uh, no firm plans to announce right now. Mike, just so you know, uh, the Talladega race in June is no fans. I think everything in June is no fans, so hopefully we can get something going for July or August. Here's hoping. All right, Sharon, can I jump jump back in there real quick before you finalize it? Sure, sure. Sure. Uh, Mike, I got to take I got to take points away from that from mine now. I forgot to mention there again. C- congratulations on joining us. The article you got out, uh, I know I shared it and put it up in our uh, fantasy group there. The terrible taters. Um, great article. Look look so forward looking to having you with the uh, team here. So I'll t- I'll take minus right, points on that one since I didn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're echoing my sentiments now, Jay. I was going to welcome a big welcome to Mike Orzel and, and uh, really happy to have him as part of our, not only our Hot Topic Sound Off group here uh, as part of our Fan for Racing crew, but also as a writer. And uh, he has given me a lot of uh, material here for us to put out over the next few weeks and days so you can look for more from uh, Mike Rozell coming out here. Uh, but if you haven't already checked it out, definitely check out uh, his Dark Horse Picks for uh, Jimmy Johnson's number 48. And uh, definitely watch for more to come out there. Um, and the track articles as well. Uh, and I just want to say I appreciate you guys. I'm so happy that we're back in action here and on air at Danfer Racing Radio uh, we had Sal on earlier. Uh, probably isn't our best show. I was a little distracted at the beginning of the show from 20 different directions, it seemed like. Um, so uh, I, I uh, apologize for that uh, before, but I'll apologize again. But uh, definitely looking forward to uh, moving forward and uh, uh, working with the Fan for Racing crew here, not only on the website, but on our Fan for Racing radio shows as well. And a big shout-out to our listeners as well uh, for tuning in, whether you're listening to the live broadcast or the podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I, uh, I put out an article this week about Jimmy Johnson's incident at uh, Darlington Raceway. Uh, I'm working on an article on Matt Kenseth and um, uh, possibly Ryan Newman, and I'm also looking at an article on the rookies I want to put together. I know you did one already, uh, but I'm going to focus on a couple of the rookies, and it's the top two rookies right now, uh, Tyler Reddick and John Hunter Nemechek. I want to put something together for them. Uh, Give me some time because I'm really loaded down right now, but uh, I will get those articles out. Uh, on fanforacing.com, so keep an eye out for those. Uh, I am Fanforacing site on Twitter. We are Fanforacing blog and radio everywhere else on social media. And uh, whew, we did it. <laughs> Another show's in the book. Oh. So thanks, guys. Thank you, and uh, have oh. a good night. Looking forward to the next couple nights. Okay, we'll call it a wrap. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night.